doesn't matter what the sport is, but if you're a sports fan, chances are at some point in your life, you've made a top 10 list. Top 5, top 10, top 20, doesn't matter. Regardless of the sport, you've made a top 10 list of something regarding that sport, regarding a position, regarding players, whatever it is, you've made a top 10 list. For someone like myself, I don't want to rush through a top 10 all-time Islanders enforcer list, but I believe I'm finished. And I'd like to say one thing, there are some pretty legendary names on there. And there's a name that's on there twice. Well, a last name that's on there twice. The last name that's on there twice is Gillies. And one of those Gillies is my guest today. To say that this man has made an impact with the Islanders is an understatement. This man is in my top 10 all time for an organization that was founded in 1972. This man played 56 regular season games for the Islanders. He's in my top 10 all time. That is making an impact. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today and for the next few weeks, Trevor Gillies. Nystrom, Nystrom's really getting some good right hands in. Gillies is down with Sandstrom. Somebody better help Sandstrom. Everyone must be held accountable for their actions. You cannot see your star carried out in a stretcher and do nothing about it. Oh my, did Mick plant one on C-card. Wow. You can't put a bounty on a man's head. I just did. The spinning, spinning, who's he going to go after? The puck drops and Bob Hartner goes right to King Flaxman. But just a minute, Al Arbor has won four Stanley Cups, so don't start telling Al Arbor what to do, you and John Davison. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, The Penalty Box. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. So, uh, first things first, I just went on a sneezing rampage. Uh, I get that from my dad, I don't know why. Uh, and then what happens is, once I sneeze a few times, uh, it, I sound chunky. Uh, well, not the usual chunky, but like my voice sounds chunky. I get sound like I'm all congested and everything. So, if I do sound like that, and I, you know, I'm taking deep breaths and everything. It's so stupid the way it affects me, but I want to apologize uh, for that going forward. I know that I can hear it, and I, I you guys could probably hear it too. Second, I uh, I got a lot of mileage uh, for the first, well, for every episode uh, before this one with my $20 gamer headset. And um, this week, uh, I, was a, I was about to record again with my guest today, and... Um, I grabbed the headset, and uh, I think there were three wires that connected the headset to the microphone, and two of them became undone. So I will say that uh, I definitely got my money's worth over the past year, a little over a year with that headset, and I appreciate all the hard work it did for me, but I did have to put it to rest, rest in peace. 
Uh, so I am working with a new headset and microphone. So I hope that this sounds okay. And also, uh, once you get into the episode, once we get into the interview, uh, that was recorded with the old microphone. And uh, it sounds okay, but it may sound different than uh, the intro and the outro. But uh, going forward, everything you hear, well, it's not true. Next week's uh, part two with Trevor Gillies was also recorded with the old headset. It's You can hear it all. But uh, all the intros and stuff may sound slightly different. I hope it sounds okay. And um, but just letting you know. So please excuse my uh, my chunky voice today. Uh, I'm not. Uh, I did not get COVID again. I don't have the flu. I don't even have a cold. But I did sneeze, and now um, you know I sound like this. So it is what it is. But uh, anyway, episode 48. What a treat this was for me to talk to uh, someone who I have so much respect for, uh, Trevor Gillies. I met Trevor 10 years ago um, after the subway incident, uh, and and that's something that uh, him and I will get into uh, probably in part three, and uh, as, you know, as I go chronological, but I was really fortunate. You know, I had already had, I'd already known a few people uh, with the organization before that, and um you know, they kind of brought me in and I, and we'll get into it again, but I always say that that uh, 2010-11 team will always be very important to me. And I have a hard time hating people that played for that team because of the way that uh, I was treated. I know a lot of my Islander fan brethren do not like John Tavares and uh, that's fine. I'll never argue with anyone who doesn't like uh, Tavares, but you know, for me, everybody on that team from top to bottom treated me like gold, and John was no exception. And, um, you know, whether I agree or disagree with how things went down, which obviously I'm not happy about in terms of being a fan and the player that John Tavares is, as far as the person goes, he treated me like gold. He was absolutely fantastic. So that whole team is very important to me, and we'll get into that. Like I said, probably part three, depending on uh, if we get to that point by the third episode these episodes are going to be very long very informative and very awesome if you ask me and again like i always say not because of me so um i met trevor 10 years ago and like i said we'll get into that and we've we've kept in touch ever since and what a what a great guy he's the kind of guy that you root for uh dude's full of energy i'm surprised he ever sleeps he is just always on and on in a good way and uh I mean, honestly, I think he would be uh, a good inspirational speaker. I mean, he's doing very well post-career with a lot of stuff that he has. uh, He's got a lot of irons in the fire, and we'll get into that uh, at the end of the interview. I'll let Trevor tell you what he's up to. But if I ever saw that Trevor Gillies was out on the uh, um, circuit for uh, inspirational speakers, I I wouldn't be surprised at all. I mean, he is such a positive person. He is, uh, like I said, he's just full of energy. I don't know anyone that could be like down on themselves being around Trevor Gillies. He just, he's just not, he, he just has such a positive energy around him and, he, and he's such a positive force. So, um, you know, I hope that comes through in the interview. I hope that you get to know the man that I know. And um, this was an unbelievable experience for me. Um, so I hope you enjoy it. Uh, hold on. I got a text here. Please hold. Sorry about that. That was uh, the missus and my uh, my Dominic. So family always comes first, but I am back. So let's get right into the nitty gritty. Um, let's see. Where did I leave off? 
very professional operation here. Okay, so please, whatever uh, platform you are listening to the show on, if you could subscribe to the show, like, rate, and review the show. The advantages of subscription, first of all, it's free. It's not like I'm asking you for money, but um, these episodes are released to the general public on Monday. You will get the episodes on Sunday when they're uploaded. Here's an example. Right now, 1230 Sunday afternoon, I'm recording this intro. I'm going to upload it as soon as I am done recording. If you're a subscriber, you'll probably get this episode five minutes or less after it is uploaded. If you're not a subscriber, you'll get it on Monday. Well, I shouldn't say definitely. I mean, you definitely get it on Monday, but iTunes seems to be the one that uh, takes forever to upload. I don't know why, but subscribe. You'll get the content and then you listen to it whenever you want. You don't have to wait till Monday. Just it's there. It's there. It's like a security blanket. It is there in your uh, podcast inbox. Sunday night. There's no more football. You need something to do listen to this show so definitely subscribe and uh if you could like rate and review the show uh i think it uh helps me become more prominent in searches whether it's about hockey or fighting or the islanders whatever it is uh the more that you can do for me and i'm not asking for much it's really just a click here or there uh the show grows and um you know like I've always said, I'm very happy with where I am right now, but uh, it would be nice if there were more people listening. But for those of you who have been with me since the beginning or close to the beginning, I really appreciate it. You guys are hardcore. And uh, for those of you listening for the first time, welcome. I hope you enjoy the show. On social media, on Twitter, at Joe underscore Lozito and at Kali Sinbin Pot. So uh, the at Joe Lozito is my personal Twitter account. Uh, nothing really serious on there. Uh, I mean, obviously if you do follow that account over the last few days, uh, you saw, I posted a lot about the uh, subway incident. I'll get into that a little bit later. Uh, and the Kali Sinbin pod is really uh podcast related, uh, content pictures, birthdays. Uh, I've been doing a lot of Bridgeport sound tigers, historical stuff on there lately. So, um, if you just want to use your social media for enjoyable stuff, and if you're listening to the show, you obviously like the Islanders, you like hockey fights, or both, um, then you probably will like the uh, Kali Sinbin Pod Twitter account. Nothing serious on there. No politics. Um, give it a follow. I'll follow you back. Uh, if you are not on Twitter and you're on Facebook, or if you're on both, similar content can be found at facebook.com slash Coliseum Chronicles podcast. Basically copied and pasted from the Twitter account. You know, Islander Enforcer-related stuff, Bridgeport stuff, Springfield Indian stuff, Capital District, anything related to Islander organizational enforcers. And to complete the hat trick, the social media hat trick, Instagram, Coliseum underscore Chronicles underscore podcast. Same stuff as the Coliseum pod Twitter account. Same stuff as the Facebook account. Again, the two key things to note about that social those social media accounts all Islander enforcers, no politics. And let's be honest, all your dopey friends who are, have been political experts for the last five years, you get enough of that garbage on their feeds. You don't need it on my feed. Just enjoy the uh, non-political stuff and the hockey hockey fighting stuff. Now, I know what you're thinking. I love this show. It'd be great if I had a t-shirt, a sweatshirt or something like that that I could wear around the neighborhood and say, hey, this is like the coolest show I've ever listened to. Well, the good news is that's possible now. So please go to teespring.com slash stores slash Coliseum hyphen chronicles hyphen 
merch. And now you're thinking, oh my God, that was so much. Well, don't worry. I, I got you taken care of. Scroll to the bottom of this episode description and click on the link that says Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box merchandise. It'll bring you right to the storefront. You have shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, tank tops, socks, totes, phone cases, masks, uh, banners, posters, everything that you need to support your favorite podcast is on there. And uh, I love it. And um, really, the best part about it is the logo. And I'll tell you who drew the logo in one second. But as I do every week, there are, well, there is a listener exclusive discount code that I do not promote on social media. It is only for the listeners and every week it changes. So this week, in honor of episode three guest and Valentine's Day birthday boy, Mike Mac William. Use code MacWilliam, M-A-C-W-I-L-L-I-A-M, for 20% off anything in the Coliseum Chronicles, the Penalty Box podcast store. 20% off using code MacWilliam. That code is good starting Monday, which is either tomorrow or today, or who knows when you're listening to this, February 15th, and it will run through one week. So jump on the merchandise, and don't forget to use code MacWilliam for 20% off. Now about that logo. Awesome logo, right? Well, I didn't draw it. I couldn't draw it on my best day. If you put a gun to my head and said draw an awesome logo, I'd be dead. I am no Joe Marisich. Joe Marisich is the guy, local Long Island artist who drew my logo. He's done a ton of sports art, uh, Mets art, Jets art, Islanders art. Um, right, he does other art too. He's not just a tune guy. He should not be typecast as the tune guy. He can do regular art. He's posted some of his art, and it's brilliant. And now you're thinking, well, would he work for me? Of course he would. Joe is available for hire. Contact Joe at GraphicsJoker on Twitter or at LoudEgg.com. Tell Joe you heard about him on the Coliseum Chronicles podcast. I don't think you get a discount or anything, but that's not my decision. But just let him know you appreciate his art and uh, you're interested in hiring him for something, and he will take care of you without question and you will not be disappointed the dude is an artistic genius but i've said that before you've seen his work you know it you like this show you like hockey fights there's a couple other shows i want to tell you about the og of the hockey fight podcast genre my friend darren in saskatoon host of the fourth line voice podcast he is on the hockey podcast network Oh, God, I think he's in the uh, 70s now as far as his episodes go. I don't think he's hit 80 yet, but I think he's in the 70s. His latest episode was released uh, Wednesday, this past Wednesday. Noted pugilist Sean McMorrow chatted it up with Darren, gave his top five toughest opponents. Great listen. Sean started his own podcast recently. He's really good on the mic. He's excellent, uh, real good personality, and uh, is an interesting guy. I mean, definitely look him up, and uh, uh, you, I think he was a, a guest on da- on uh, Darren's show uh, a little bit of ways back, and a uh, very detailed episode, so definitely check it out. Uh, Darren did a great job. Sean did a great job. Uh, Darren is releasing an episode today, maybe, Sunday or tomorrow, with uh, Carlin Nordstrom. I think, I, fuck, I don't know if it's today or tomorrow. I don't know if he's done recording. No. All right. So let me start over. Darren does two episodes a week. 
Middle of the week is a player interview. Sunday is what I told him he should call shit show Sundays. And that's basically an episode where Darren just rants about topics, hockey related, hockey fight related, life related, related. I happen to love the episodes. I think it's, I think they're great. They're really fun listens. And uh, it's a nice change of pace from, from the interviews because it, you got uh, an interview a couple of days later, you got Darren ranting about things. So that is what will be released uh, today, tomorrow, and then the Carlin Nordstrom episode hopefully will be released on Wednesday. Um, I've known Nordy a little bit. He played with um, Dean Ewan in um, Colorado Springs for a little bit. And uh, good guy. Uh, he's got, uh, he runs like a nature thing up in Canada somewhere. He's always posting pictures, uh, these massive fish that he catches or, uh, the wild game that he hunts and everything like uh, a real man, like nothing like I would ever be. I couldn't do what he did, but I love Carlin Nordstrom. I can't wait for the interview. Definitely check out the fourth line voice podcast and go on YouTube and check out the fourth line voice YouTube channel. You know you've been on there already. Well, you may not know it, but you have. If you've watched hockey fights before, chances are they have been on the 4th Line Voice YouTube channel. Probably the premier hockey fight channel on YouTube. Uh, he's got a ton of shit on there. He, well represented, all leagues, all players. Definitely check it out for sure. What you should do, listen to his episodes and then go on YouTube and uh, look at fights from uh, the guy that you just heard from. Probably a great idea. I have him every now and then. Another podcast that you should listen to, and the man is back, Five for Fighting podcast, the return this week of Alec Olin-Salen, possibly my future Florida neighbor in uh, Tampa. You never know, right? Six months from now or so, I might be calling Alec and saying, hey, get your ass over here, help me unload this truck and bring some of your buddies. It's a young man's game moving. He's uh, half my age. He's a big boy. Let's get it over there. So, Alec, just, uh, you know. Just giving you a six months warning now. No, but seriously, he uh, he took a few months off. He was back this week. His latest episode was titled Wayne Simmons Finds a New Gear. Basically, the episode was um, a general episode to get everyone caught up on what he's been up to the last few months. And um, he's uh, he's had a lot of stuff happen to him. Best thing of which is that he got married. I've spoken about that already. Um, and he just kind of brings you up to speed on what's been going on. And he touches on a few recent hockey topics. Uh, not a particularly long episode but it's definitely a good episode to get back into the swing of things and i think he's releasing an episode this week with a player i think did he say john hewitt uh if that's who he said or i might be dreaming it but uh john hewitt would be an amazing guest i hope that's who it is uh at my age shit just pops into your head so who the hell knows but uh there will be a new episode this week with a player interview make sure you check that out Alec is also the czar of the Enforcer Appreciation page on Facebook. I actually made a post there yesterday. Uh, I posted about a favorite uh, moment. Um, Mika Zabanajad and uh, that asshole Marchand from the Bruins. Uh, neither one of them wanted to leave the ice after the warm-up. So they did what men do. They settled it with rock, paper, scissors. And um, I uh, discussed on a post a memory that I have of uh, a guy that you'll hear about from Trevor Gillies, Roger Maxwell. I was at a Calder Cup game in Providence, and it was Providence and Rochester. And um, I guess Maxie was, uh, he maybe he had a ritual where he wanted to shoot the puck in the other team's net after the warm-up before he went off the ice. And uh, I don't know if he had done it already in the series, but Greg Walter is someone who, God, I wish I could reconnect with. I love me some Wally. Great guy, but it's been too long 
uh, since I've spoken to him. Well, he was on Rochester. And uh, like I said, I don't know if Maxie had done it in the series or not, or uh, Wally just heard about it. Wally was not leaving the ice and not letting Maxie do it. And they're going back and forth, shooting the puck down the ice, up the ice, down the ice. And, you know, most fans just, once the warm-up's over, they leave. Uh, my wife and I, and I was there with a couple of friends, we didn't move. I'm, I'm like, fuck, I'm not moving. I'm watching this. And the Zamboni's trying to get out there. People are trying to get out there to treat the ice before the game. And these two guys would not leave the ice. They're going back and forth. Finally, I think Wally had just had enough. He takes the net off the moorings, turns it around, and faces the net uh, against the boards behind the net. I think as he skated off the ice, he yelled, fuck you to Maxie, and that was it. And Wally always had the game face on, and uh, Maxie, tough as nails, but every time I saw him play, he always kind of had a smile on his face, like he just, you know, just a big smile from a big dude. He probably had the big smile on his face and went off the ice, and then, of course, the game happened, but... um, I can promise you uh, Roger Maxwell and Greg Walters would not have settled that with rock, paper, scissors. But I actually posted about that in the Enforcer Appreciation page yesterday, and I don't post there much, but I am a lurker every day. So um, I would definitely check that out. I'm actually a moderator there. I do not hold up my end of the bargain. I do apologize for that, Alec, although I do keep a lot of the riffraff out. I will tell you that I do that. Um, Although you could probably say it. You're the boss. Uh, Alec also has a QSPHL slash LNEH jersey page, uh, jersey and equipment page. Uh, Alec was out of the hobby for a little bit, and then he came back in with a bang this week. I think he brought in three of the, uh, I, I don't know if they're all Laval Chiefs or some of them Chiefs, uh, but he brought in three Chiefs jerseys this week to the page. It was uh, good to see. I love seeing that stuff. You know, I'm a jersey geek. I'm an equipment geek. So um, please, if you have any uh, equipment or jerseys from that league, please feel free to share it in that uh, in that uh, Facebook page. So uh, Five for Fighting podcast, Enforcer Appreciation page on Facebook, QSPHL slash LNEH jersey and equipment page on Facebook. I am happy to report that my friend Bobby Longgrass up in Ontario, the host of the Bucket Drop podcast, he's been off for a few months and uh, he made his triumphant return this week. He put out maybe a 10-minute episode, uh, his return to the podcasting world. Uh, not a huge episode, just uh, kind of uh, reintroducing himself. So that was fun to see. I was really, really – I didn't know he was coming back, and I was really, really excited when it popped up uh, on my podcast queue. So hopefully he will come back with semi-regular episodes. And um, I don't know if he's back on Twitter yet. If he is, uh, he's at the bucket drop. If not, just search on your um, – whatever platform you listen to podcasts on for the bucket drop podcast, check out his back catalog. Uh, and hopefully, like I said, he, uh, he is back to stay. Now, as I made mention, when I was talking about Alec, he may be my neighbor in a few months. So, uh, I'm calling on my friends, you guys, if you know anyone, if you live in Florida or you know anyone in Florida, most likely the Tampa the area between Tampa and Sarasota. Uh, there is a very good chance the Lazito family will be moving there uh, in the summer. Uh, Dumb and Dumber up here, Cuomo and de Blasio, are making it increasingly difficult for my family to stay here because they have New York City closed, and my industry may not open back up for a very long time. And uh, Long Island's a very expensive place to live, even when you have a decent job. It is a very difficult place to live, when you are on unemployment. So um, 
we are seriously contemplating relocating down to Florida. And if we do, we would like to be in the region between Tampa and Sarasota. And let's be honest, chances are you have your job because of somebody you knew. That's the way of the world. That's just how it is. I think even Chris Rock said it once when he was talking about uh, Monica Lewinsky and uh, Bill Clinton. You get job. I mean, connections. It's all about connections in life. So um, if there's anyone out there down in Florida that has any connections, I would love to uh, talk to someone about potentially working down there. Now, I am open to anything except sales. I cannot do sales. I cannot cold call people. I can't just walk into businesses. I can't do that stuff. It is not in my nature. It is extremely uncomfortable for me. So, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I am willing to listen to anything as long as it has nothing to do with sales. Um, I, like I said, I don't have to love my job. I just can't hate it. So, uh, anyone have any suggestions, please let me know. Uh, I would love to hear, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm getting all choked up here. Uh, I would love to, uh, to hear them. So, as I say in every intro, a few more things before we get to the episode. Uh, if you do follow me on social media, you do know that uh, I've been very active the last few days posting about the incident that happened on the subway. Friday was 10 years to the day that everything happened. Uh, so every year on the anniversary, I post this uh, long thread on Twitter, basically breaking up step by step what happened. It always ends up being a 40 to 50 uh, tweet thread. And I never know who's reading it, who's interested in reading it. But this year, uh, it really picked up a lot of steam. It, uh, I am so happy with the way things happened this year because, as I say, I have no recourse. I cannot afford to hire a lawyer to try to go back to court. And to be honest, the case was dismissed in 2013, I believe. So um, I'm sure that... Uh, statute of limitations is up. I don't know for sure. But the one thing I always say is uh, lawyers have a reputation for kind of being sneaky and underhanded and being snakes. And that's great when they're working for you. And uh, I always say there could be a lawyer out there that's very creative and maybe uh, use some sort of loophole to get this back into uh, into a court. Well, back to court since I never got into a court. Uh, so if anyone has any lawyers out there or you're a lawyer and you uh, – you have, uh, you're good at scheming and maybe we can do something here. But, uh, uh, outside of that, my only recourse has, uh, has been to tell the story, to educate people, uh, to bring it to the masses. Um, and this year, it really, the, the response I, I got mostly on Twitter because, uh, I'm, I'm, that's where I'm most active. And, um, wow, I, I gotta say, I really appreciate everybody who read that uh, thread and, retweeted it and commented on it and tagged people in it. Um, I think this year, more than any year uh, out of the 10 years that I have been posting uh, a, that thread about the anniversary, by far, really this year, it had the most action on it. So um, like I said in the, uh, in the tweets that I'm going to kind of uh, post about it pretty heavy through the weekend. Today's Sunday. I'll probably... Uh, give it one more round of tweets later on today, but then uh, tomorrow kind of back to normal real life everyday stuff. But uh, if you haven't checked it out on my regular Twitter page at 
Joe underscore Lozito. It is my pinned tweet. If you if you don't mind, please go and check that out. If you are not familiar with the story, this will give you, I'm going to say a brief synopsis, even though it's about 50 tweets long. Um, they're tweets, so, you know, they're not novels. So um, if you have time, a couple of minutes, please go to my pinned tweet and read it. Um, forward it to people, tag people in it. If you uh, follow anyone on Twitter that's influential, anyone in the news and the media, celebrities, uh, I'm not a big fan. I, I'm not a big fan of the level that people kiss celebrities' asses. Um, I, they're regular people, whatever. But uh, if I can use a celebrity to further this cause and bring it to the masses, and I don't mean use in a bad way, but if a celebrity really wanted to uh, use their profile for something good and bring my story to the masses, well, then I'm all for it. So um, anyone, like I said, go to that pin tweet, check it out, forward it, do whatever you can. And, um, you know, life gets back to normal for me in terms of uh, posting about that incident starting uh, tomorrow. So please um, check it out. And thank you to everyone for your support over the last 10 years. Um, it hasn't been easy at times, but uh, I'm fortunate. I have a tremendous support staff here with my immediate family, my extended family, uh, friends. And I always say the people that I've never even met that send me messages or send me a note or a text. Well, I guess if you're texting me, we probably did meet, but you know what I'm trying to say. Uh, I have a relationship with you on some level, even if it's just social media. And uh, I, for 10 years, people have been messaging me messages of support words of encouragement and uh i have read every one of them and i hopefully i responded to you it means the world to me means the world to andrea joey and dom um you know the four of us are in this together and uh you guys taking the time to reach out to us it means means a lot to us so thank you very much so um i've done a lot of interviews not a, a lot i've done some interviews the last week or so uh the latest one that was actually released was the fight stories podcast with Tyler Morrison and John Moses. Now we actually recorded that back, uh, in 2020, I think it was around August of 2020. We recorded it, but, uh, they just released it now. Ironically, it was the episode released after their chat with Trevor Gillies. So, um, so we're kind of, uh, simpatico there, I guess, with them talking to me and releasing their Gillies episode and me releasing part one of my Gillies episode today. So, um, I posted the link. You can find the link to that interview on their social media, but the link to the show, if you're interested, is also on all my social media as well. Oh, I had to, uh, I had to step out again. Nobody needs me until I'm recording, I guess, but, uh, it's part of being the man, I guess. No, um, of course I had to go help out, um, uh, my other son, Joey with something. And, uh, as I said earlier, family comes first. So I think uh last thing I said was about the Fight Stories podcast that I did with Tyler and John. Uh check that out. It's on their social media, it's on my social media. Um one thing I want to touch on and it's in relation to these new age hockey fans. I'm not going to get into it too much, but every week or so oh god, you guys are too much. I have to read a post on Twitter mostly about how this player it's, it used to be Connor McDavid. Now they don't even go that high. It's like a third line left wing in the KHL or whatever. They're all better than Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky played in an era where goalies didn't do this and goalies didn't go down and goalie equipment was this and uh, blah, 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 blah. So his numbers are this and his numbers are that. 
Oh, I, I, listen to me. I know that I'm the angry guy that's yelling at the cloud. I know I'm the get-off-my-lawn guy. I know I'm Homer Simpson's dad. Grandpa Simpson, I guess, would have been easier to say. <clears throat> but I, I feel like I'm here to do you a favor. The players today have advantages that the players in the past never had. And that's not taking anything away from the players of today. The the access to fitness and um, nutrition that these players of today have, the players back then. And I, I, you know what? I shouldn't say they would have killed for it because back then fitness wasn't a thing. Nutrition really wasn't a thing. I'm sure there were guys that ate healthy. But if you look at Wayne Gretzky without a shirt on, he was just a skinny kid. I'm sure he worked out, but he, he was naturally gifted. And so were the guys today. And it's incredible to me that you're you're so i'm just gonna say it you're so fucking stupid that you try to discount everything that wayne gretzky did as a player there is a reason why every record i think except one that he held when he retired is still standing he is the greatest player that has ever played hockey so Take your dumb analytics and all the other nonsense that you say about how this guy is better than Wayne Gretzky because Wayne Gretzky, when he played, it was this, was this, was this. Everything is relative. You can't compare Wayne Gretzky to guys playing today. If you put Connor McDavid back in Gretzky's day, you don't know. If Connor McDavid isn't eating like he eats now or training like he trains now or take whatever supplements or whatever, you don't know what kind of player Connor McDavid would be back in the 80s. Likewise, you don't know what kind of player Wayne Gretzky would be in 2020 with access to all the nutrition information and the fitness information that the athletes of today have. You can't compare errors. But listen, as great a player as Alexander Ovechkin is, he's not as good as Gretzky. And all the players now, like Connor McDavid and McKinnon and these guys, they have to first get to Ovechkin level. And I mean, McDavid, and I don't watch the Oilers, but just from the highlights I've seen, the guy's insane. And McKinnon's right up there with him. And I'm sure they both look up to Ovechkin because Ovechkin right now is the gold standard. Sidney Crosby is the gold standard. None of those guys are Gretzky. So stop, please. You're embarrassing yourself. Stop with your dumbass nonsense that this player is better than Wayne Gretzky. And at least when you use Connor McDavid or someone like that, at least you're using a great player from today. I, I've seen idiots say uh, third liners of today are better than Wayne Gretzky. You just sound so fucking stupid. So please stop embarrassing yourself. Wayne Gretzky is the best player that has ever played this game. I doubt anyone is going to take that mantle from him. Uh, you got Gretzky, Lemieux, Gordy Howe. These guys, they're legends. So Bobby Orr, so stop with the whole thing with uh, uh, this guy's better than Wayne Gretzky. It, it, just stop. You're embarrassing yourself. Maybe your following on YouTube or whatever thinks that you're savage for such a vicious take, but uh, keep your celly somewhere else. Stop with the bullshit. Wayne Gretzky's the best. And I don't like to say it. He's an Edmonton Oiler. Fuck, he's an Edmonton Oiler. But the dude is the best. He's the GOAT. I know everyone's talking about Tom Brady. Wayne Gretzky is the best player in his sport in any sport. That's it. Well, I don't want to say it's fact because it's not. It's my opinion. But, But please stop with this guy's better than Wayne Gretzky. Stop. Just stop. You're embarrassing yourself. Stop. So now moving on to the 2021 Islanders slash Bridgeport Sound Tigers fight report. The Islanders currently stand at 6-4-3. and three. They have crept back up into a playoff spot. They're in the fourth spot right now in the Patrick division. 
But unfortunately, through 13 games, they still have zero fights. And there have been times during some of these losses where I kind of felt like maybe get something going here, like just have someone go in and do something. And I know, you know, the the uh, the new new age nerds uh, first couple of games, it was Ross Johnston's fault because, you know, uh, J.G. Pajot needs to play with real wingers. Meanwhile, I don't know, Ross Johnston, he's playing in the NHL. He's a real winger, but I guess you know better. Um, so it hasn't been Ross Johnston's fault in a while. Um, but I guess everyone looks to Matt Martin. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't have to be Matt Martin. In this age of 2021 where we talk about team toughness, you don't need to have a goon. You don't need to have a designated fighter. It's team toughness. That's what wins. Oh, you guys are exhausting. Um, it doesn't have to be Matt Martin. I would listen. I don't know if Matt listens to the show. I consider Matt a friend. Yeah. There's been a couple of times this year where I wish Matt Martin would have just grabbed someone and tossed him around and sat in the box for five minutes with the other guy and hopefully sparked the team. I don't know if Matt Martin has been given instructions to not fight. I have no idea. And nobody has done anything where Matt Martin could have jumped in and he hasn't. It's just a question of sparking the team, waking up the team. I would love to see it, okay? I love Matt Martin. But it doesn't have to be Matt Martin all the time. you got guys like Anders Lee and Casey Sezikis. They're not fighters, but they fight every now and then. Even, God, J.G. Pajot has a fight. J.G. Pajot only picks on guys like 6'5 and taller, and everyone goes apeshit. So there have been times this year where I felt like a fight may have changed the momentum, may have given the team a spark, but uh, it was not to be. So, uh... Islander portion of this fight report, 13 games, zero fights. So, uh, But I don't have to use the cricket sound effect this week like I did last week because the Bridgeport Sound Tigers, their season started, they're three games in. They've had two fights so far. Now, unfortunately, I'm not telling you that Yannick Turcotte had a fight or Mike Cornell had a fight. And through three games, um, there have been time, and, and they're three games in. They didn't have any exhibition games. I'm not criticizing the guys at all. Um, but there's been times where I think they could have used a spark also. And I think that's where a guy like Yannick Turcotte comes in with his enthusiasm, um, his zest for the game. Uh, and a guy like Mike Cornell, who people, if you are not familiar with Mike, go on YouTube and watch some of this guy's hit hits. He fucking kills people. He's, he's so solid defensively and he crushes people. So there, there, there have been times in these three games where I thought guys like uh, Yannick and Mike Cornell could have made a difference. Uh, but I get it. They're not under contract to the Islanders. They're under contract to Bridgeport. They're under contract to Worcester. And I'm sure Lou and uh, little Lou, his son, they want the Islander prospects to play. So I completely get it. And uh, the Bridgeport roster has a ton of guys on it this year because there's no Worcester this year. So uh, it's a double-edged sword. I'm happy for Yannick and Mike that they are under contract. They're getting paid. Um, I am nervous, though. I'm not so sure how much these guys are going to play this year, and I think it's a shame. And like I said, in these three games so far, they're 0-3. They're trying. The effort's there, but I I don't know, maybe because there's no fans. uh, There are times where you kind of – there are lulls in these games. Um, But – Hopefully, in the next 21 games, we will see some of Yannick Turcotte. We will see some of Mike Cornell. Uh, They can definitely uh, add something to this team. And like I said, I know they're not under contract to the Islanders, but, uh, you know... Let's get some life out there. You know, let these guys are capable of bringing life to this team. So please, I know Brent Thompson has listened to exactly zero of my episodes, but 
Can someone please tell Brent Thompson that Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box, is pleading for him to put in Yannick Turcotte and put in Mike Cornell. These are high-energy guys and character guys, and uh, they do make a difference. Um, the one guy, uh, I said there's a Bermuda Triangle of toughness on this team, uh, Yannick Turcotte, Mike Cornell, and Seth Helgeson. Seth is the captain, hard-nosed defenseman. He actually did get into the first fight for Bridgeport this year, February 7th, a game against Hartford. Um, if you don't know by now, Bridgeport is only playing Hartford, only playing Providence this year, 12 games each. Uh, I'm going to do my best to say this guy's name. Uh, February 7, 2021, Seth Helgeson versus Austin uh, Rushoff. Uh, fight was a distance away. They didn't really pan in. Um, you know, Seth did what he had to do. Uh, I think Rushoff uh, hit someone. Seth didn't like it. He came in, did the job. And then uh, yesterday, February 13th, Kyle McLean, John McLean's son, had a fight uh, against Alex Olivier Voye of Providence. So uh, it's good to see the Tigers keeping up there into the bargain physically. Two fights in three games is pretty good. They probably have more fights than some of the other AHL teams. And unfortunately, they have two more fights than the Islanders. So um, hopefully one of these days, the Islanders have some games this week. I think they have four games, four or five games in seven or eight days. So hopefully uh, maybe we'll see the return of Ross Johnston and, uh, you know, maybe we'll get some more physical play here. But uh, I'm happy the Islanders are doing well. I just wish I'd see a a little more physical play. And uh, Bridgeport, you know, the American League teams, always uh, the development of the prospects is always more important than the record. But to me, Brent Thompson, I know some people don't really care for him. I think he's excellent at his job, and I'm sure he's kind of pissed at their 0-3. So you never know. I mean, maybe you throw a guy like Turcotte in there or Cornell and uh, get the boys going. So you never know. You never know. But uh, I'll be watching uh, both of those teams. It's only hockey I watch, Islanders and Bridgeport. Finally, congratulations to the original gangster, Lou Lamarillo. Uh, won his 1,300th regular season game yesterday. Uh, he is the third GM in the history of the league to reach that magic number of 1,300. David Poyle, who is still kicking in Nashville, he's the only GM they've ever had. Uh, Before that, he was with Washington. Uh, He's at 1,421. And uh, Glenn Sather, the old Edmonton uh, coach GM and uh, Ranger GM, he's 19 games ahead of Lou Lamarillo. Uh, The Islanders have, what, 43 games left? Is my math right? So uh, they're going to have to win. Uh, You're going to think if they're going to make the playoffs, they're going to have to win at least half of those games, which would uh, let Lou pass Glenn Sather for second all time. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Uh, Once Lou hits third, once the Islanders win 19 more games, he's tied with Sather. Once they win 20 more games, he passes him and he'll be uh, second behind Poyle. So congratulations to Lou. I know, um, you know, the analytics nerds and the new age nerds and the Corsi clowns like to say that uh, the game has passed Lou Lamarillo by. Uh, I'm not so sure about that. Lou Lamarillo shits out more hockey knowledge in his morning dump than uh, most people will ever have in their lives. So uh, like I always say, I'll take my chances with Lou Lamarillo every day of the week and twice on Sunday. So congratulations to Lou. And, um, you know, if Lou's successful, the team's successful. So uh, so let's all hope for that. So we're going to move on. Part one with Trevor Gillies. Um, <laughs> I can go on and on about Trevor Gillies. And I'm already, let's see how deep into this intro now. Holy shit, 40 minutes. All right. 40 minutes in, Trevor Gillies is a legend in my eyes. He's a tremendous human being, and um, I'm proud to call him a friend. 
if I'm in a foxhole with someone, I want it to be Trevor Gillies. It's very simple. Dude's a great guy. He's a family man. He's someone you should look up to. And um, I can go on and on, and maybe I'll save that for the intro next week. But I'm keeping you away from part one with Trevor. So I'm going to end on that 41 minutes into the intro. You people, I hope you enjoy part one with Trevor Gillies. And uh, Gills, thanks for doing this. It means the world to me. Everybody, enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. I'm your host, Joe Lazito. Now, there were a bunch of guys when I first thought about doing this podcast. Uh, immediately, that came to mind. There were a handful of guys. And uh, this guy that we're about to chat with today is right at the forefront. Uh, definitely one of the guys that I said to myself, if this show is going to go anywhere, I have to get this guy on because of the impact he had with the organization. Plus the length of his career, especially the end of his career when the sport did everything in their power to get rid of guys like him. This is truly an honor. Uh, my friend of 10 years, Mr. Trevor Gillies, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Big Joe. I appreciate it, man. It's, uh, I'm happy to be on your show, brother. Well, I think we're going to have a good time today. So uh, so first question that I ask everybody. So you're born in Cambridge, Ontario. Uh, I always give the example here on Long Island when I was growing up and we played street hockey. I was always Clark Gillies or Bob Nystrom. I was one of those guys. Uh, if I had a time machine and went back to the ponds of Cambridge, Ontario to see a young Trevor Gillies, who were you as a kid? Uh, to be honest with you, I was uh... – Obviously, the Oilers were, you know, super popular in the 80s, kind of like the Isles. Um, I'm born in 79. I was a huge Marc Messier fan um, when he was obviously <laughs> with the Oilers. I have an autographed picture of him. I, Islanders fans won't like this, but I won it at a, at a pink tie event, um, silent auction um, for my current company I'm with in Merchant Pro Express. But it's, it's his famous picture of him holding the cup in 94. Yeah. Yeah. And it's autographed by him. And then I got a picture of me and my daughter, who she's now five, nine and a half and, and very grown up at 13, um, with holding her beside uh, Mark Messier um, at the union meetings. That's so, you know, he was a stud, obviously. But, you know, I wasn't Wayne Gretzky and stuff like that. Obviously, I respect him, greatest player to ever play. Um, there's tons of guys, you know, I'm sure Long Island fans were or Mike Bossy or Clark Gillies or Bobby Nye or Trotz or, or all those awesome legends that are pretty much all hall of famers and won a bunch of cups. But no, I mean, I, I grew up, my favorite player was Scott Stevens. Um, he decapitated people oh, yeah. uh, when the oh, game yeah. was played by men. And um, I loved Marty McSorley as well. Um, and Bob Prober. Those are probably my top three guys. And, um, you know, I got to play for Marty. I'm sure we'll talk about that later, Definitely. but, uh, you know, and, and obviously, Obviously, uh, Proby was the champ, man. He was the man. I got his jersey autographed here. That's one of the only things I spent money on when I played for the Islanders. Um, I got like this kind of a wall of fame, young pitcher, him on the bench, his face signed, and him fighting his best friend and Joe Kosher in, the, in it. And it's all professionally done with his uh, red jersey. It says 3,300 pins on it. And it's here up here in my office where I'm currently at. So, no, man, I was always a fan of the rough stuff. Love me, Ty Domi. There's so many, the names go on and on, but. Um, you know, uh, I wasn't confused and uh, knew what was, knew the kind of player I liked. It, obviously, I played that way pretty much all growing up, real physical player. So, well, I would suggest people uh, take a look at your um, 
Instagram, because you have, uh, I don't know if you still do, but for a while there, you were posting a lot of your memorabilia and, uh, you have a pretty impressive memorabilia collection and, uh, not a lot of finished guys in there is, uh, always the bruisers and everything. And you've, uh, you've acquired a lot of nice pieces over the years. Well, obviously I got blessed to play a little boys and girls game for a very long time. And, um, you know, fortunate to make it to the pinnacle of our sport. Uh, I call it, I started out in the outhouse, nothing wrong with the East coast league. I love the East coast league. Uh, it's kind of where you I cut my teeth, got to play and play with a lot of great guys, older dudes that kind of took me under my wing, under their wing and showed me the way like Bob Woods. And I mean, the whole team, my first year in Biloxi, Mississippi, I won't, don't ruin everything because I know you're going to get into that. But yeah, just had so many great veterans, you know, like Mark Rupp now. I mean, the list is just long. Sean Gillum, Chuck Fuss. I played for Mark Potvin and uh, who used to fight mm-hmm. um, in Biloxi. And, you know, it's... Uh, I started out there, grinded, non-drafted player, kind of knew what was going to get me the dance, was try to be a great teammate, great in the community, and, and work extra hard on your skills and work, be a gym rat. And um, Fortunately, I got up to the AHL and kind of an up-and-down guy for the first few years, and they made my mark and, um, you know, and, and then got blessed to, to come. <laughs> Unfortunately, we'll talk about the other my first NHL game, but got blessed to come to the yeah. NHL. So coming to the NHL, to answer your question, Got to meet some of the guys that I, you know, that I truly loved growing up. Um, I got Joe Kosher signed jersey here, and he put uh, Gilly. So you want a shot at the title? Your friend <laughs> Joe, Joe Kosher. Then I never got to meet Joe in person because obviously I got bag skated. Uh, but you know, when you're on the road, you have these awesome um, guys like like a shaky. You know what I mean? Like different mm-hmm. trainers that are around. Um, in the visiting rooms that are just great guys and, and they like my kind of player and all the guys that did our job, which is the toughest job in pro sports. But, uh, you know, I loved it and just, you know, always chat with those guys, you know, they're just great guys. And, um, you know, he was asking me like if I liked any wings and I told him, yeah, two of my all time favorites are, are the Bass brothers and Bob Probert and Joe Kosher. And he said, he goes, well, Joe, Joe's like a huge alumni. He'll probably be at the game. And I wasn't playing because they didn't have a heavyweight. So I, I got bag skated at the Joe and, um, you know, went ar- and I went walking around downtown Detroit and I was like, my, I, I learned how to box from the Vanderpool boys mm-hmm. when I was young, my first couple of years pro and, and, um, they're, they're, they're pros, you know, from Canada and, you know, there's Sid and Fitz and then Keith and Keith was my trainer. And he always, they always had these Kronk shirts on. I would always talk about the Kronk gym when Sid would go there and train for big fights. And so, you know, finally getting to the league at 31, when we went to Detroit, uh, I think the next year when I was there full time, I was like, you know what? I'm going to get a cab because there was no Ubers back then. I was like, I'm going to get a cab and I'm going to go to the Kronk gym. So I, I called a cab, obviously a black guy. The Vanderpools are black guys. They're awesome guys. And um, they're my boys. Like if it wasn't for Keith, I wouldn't have done what I wouldn't have made it as far as I did. Oh, I'm a lot of credit. Great, great guy. Great, great coach. Uh, off ice training, hitting the mitts, learn how to throw right hands, all that good stuff. So I, I tell the, the cabbie, yeah, I want to go to the Kronk gym. And uh, he goes, he, I had on a Hugo bar, I had on a suit and I had on a Hugo boss, a gray overcoat with like a dressy toque. You know, that's how we got to, you know, that's how we dress in the NHL on the road, like pros. And, and I get in and I tell him, I want to go to the Kronk gym. And he, he looks at me, he goes, he goes, white boy, he goes, you crazy? I said, I said what? And I said, excuse me? And he goes, you, 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 can't, go to the, you can't go to the crunk gym looking like you do? And I said, well, I'm not going there to box. I go, I just want to go in there and watch. And 
check it out. It's like a legendary gym. And uh, I go, I want to buy a t-shirt and a hat. He goes, I can't take you there. Why boy? He's like, that's, you can't go there. And so I was like, I was like, well, what can I do, man? I got the whole day to kill here. You know, my team's playing tonight. I'm not playing. And uh, he goes, you can't walk around Detroit. He goes, you can't walk around looking like that. And I said, and I didn't think anything of it. I thought I'd be, I still think to this day I would have been fine. Um, but anyway, I took his advice, you know, didn't want to have anything happen. And uh, he drove me around on a nice little tour of the city and, you know, got to see um, the statue of that famous boxer. I think, what is it? Joe Frazier, Joe, Joe Lewis. Joe Lewis. And I, you know, checked out a bunch of stuff and just truly enjoyed my day, really. And then went back early and, and watched the boys play. I can't, can't remember if we won or lost, but, you know, I've been hit a lot. And, um, you know, it was that was super cool. So Joe signed up a jersey for me. I never got to meet him in person. I would have loved to. I heard his hands more of a mess than mine. And then I got to meet Scotty Stevens, who's my all-time idol. He was the assistant coach for the Devils. And, you know, our our trainers and um, Shaky and Boggs kind of let up, let them their team their side know that, you know, Gills is a huge Scotty Stevens fan. So got to meet him. And I, I'm never really a loss for words. I like to talk. But, you know, he's one of the few guys I've met, like Mark Messier, that I was like, a little quiet, um, you know, kind of didn't know a whole lot to say, but, you know, I was just so impressed by like his handshake, how good a shape he was still in way after he stopped playing. You know, I go to the gym every day and, and just the size of his forearms and hands, like the guy was the man. I grew up a defenseman. So, and then I got my, one of our, both of our, one of your favorites of all time and probably many Islanders is Mick the Quick Vakoda, his oh, jersey yeah. hand right here by my desk and um his is awesome what he wrote he put up when good guys do the dirty work good guys win i love it Uh, so uh yeah that one i'm I'm a huge fan of just because you know how much hard personalization he put into it instead of just like you know the typical all the best best wishes or best regards like guys do so you know um you know I, i take pride in I think brought in uh, the heavyweights and, um, you know, I have a ton of other guys, the, the who's who really um, on pictures that someday I'll get framed and, and put in, you know, in my garage when I redo the garage and make it more of a man space. So, yeah, that, that's your question. I was pretty long winded, but yeah, I'm a huge fan of, um, of our role. Well, the best part is uh, I had, when you and I were chatting earlier this week, I had said to you that, uh, uh, speaking of Mick Vakoda, that as far as this show goes, uh, Mick and I did about seven and a half hours and knowing you and how detailed you are in your answers and, uh, and how I, I tend to get long winded too. I said this, you might actually, uh, challenge for the title for uh longest t- time spent chatting with me. So, uh, so we're well on our way for that. So I love it. But, uh, but yeah, I got, uh, you know, I've been talking about, you know, us possibly heading down to Florida. And uh, if we do that, I'm definitely stopping by the uh, Gillies compound. I want to see all that stuff uh, up close because I know you had some of it back when you were living here, but I know you got a whole shit ton more since you left. So I definitely want to stop in and see some of that stuff. Absolutely, brother. I'd love to have you. You know, you're welcome at the Gillies Casa anytime. We got the pool for the kids. Uh Obviously, you know, I don't know what the weather's like in Long Island right now, but but talking to, um, you know, head of client relations on my team, it's her name's Miss Randy. Um, she said that it was pretty cold, like around high 30s or 40 today. And you guys got a lot of snow. So, yeah. Um, yeah. you know, growing up in Canada, um, I, I'm not going to lie, like it's kind of nice during hockey when you're playing, but when you're done the game and you're all beat up and hurting, 
which I, I can't complain. Uh, you know, I feel pretty good, but, um, you know, it's also, we have the climate for, for feeling nice. Uh, the joints feel a lot better in the warmth. So today I believe it was like 60, 62, something like that. It was pretty nice today and sunny. It could have been a nice golf course day, but no, man, you're always welcome here. You know, just like, uh, on the Island when you've come over and, um, you know, happy to be on your show, my friend. Oh, I love it. So, so going back to the original question, if I was if I was on the lake and I saw you being Scott Stevens or Mark Messier, you weren't alone because uh, you had a hockey playing brother uh, also who actually, uh, for Islander fans who may not know if you don't follow Bridgeport uh, that much, uh, your brother Nathan actually spent some time in Bridgeport in 2004, 2005, uh, played eight games, had four points. Uh, so tell me about you guys growing up. Well, my brother... Um... You know, he was a kind of a stud. So, um, you know, he got he's a lot smaller than me. You know, I'm I'm gained a lot of weight now after hockey. I'm like 260. But, um, you know, when I was with the island, I think I was like, you know, they wanted me a certain weight. And, you know, I trained very hard to get to that weight and be at a certain body fat percentage. And I think I played like 228 to like 233 ish with the island um, to move better. Obviously, it's a lot faster in the American League. Every step up is faster. But. Uh, my brother got all the talent. So if we could have combined the player, uh, we probably wouldn't have to work today. But, um, you know, my brother went the college route. He went to Union College. Um, I went the OHL route. I left home at 15 and he stayed at home and, and ended up playing in Milton with the Merchants, which is a tier two team. Uh, went to the, you know, won the whole thing for the Ontario League and, and went for the, I think it's called the Royal Bank Cup, but then ended up not winning it. But my brother's only 5'9". So, um, but he's a truck, like, he's like one of those, like, you know, when you see like a massive dog, like a German shepherd or a St. Bernard when they're young, you know, they're super big, but they're not quite filled out. So, but I have huge paws, you know what I'm saying? So his, he's got the same size feet as me, his hands are the same size and I got big mitts and he's got monster legs and ass. He's just more compressed. So he's just shorter. And, you know, at the time when he you know, was coming up, like growing up, we had a blast. We'd push each other all the time. We're best friends. We still talk a couple times a week. Uh, my brother's a first class fireman now in Canada. Nice. And he yeah. loves his job. He's got a great family, two great girls. And uh, I also have a sister as well that's five years younger than me. And she's six one. So me and my sister got my dad's side, uh, which is Scottish, the, the Gillis, Gillies, whatever. I, we say Gillies, but my dad always tells me if you go to Scotland, they'll look at you funny boy if you say Gillies. So it's, I guess it's Gillis, but I've always, it's, everyone's always gone by Gillies, in my opinion. And um, that's what everyone calls me. So, you know, it was a great growing up with him. You know, we push, we're pushing each other. Iron sharpens iron, you know, getting in lots of fights. And um, unfortunately for him, I was a lot bigger. But I do think that helped him um, on his road because, you know, pretty much the beatings he had to take. And then, uh, you know, obviously I would... <laughs> My dad set us straight after that, yeah. uh, especially yeah. myself. So, um, you know, my brother's phenomenal human. And um, if I could trade my career um, with him so he could play in the NHL, I would do that in a second. Um, just so talented. I wish he would have got to the league, but very proud of the career he did have. Um, you know, I didn't score many points. Uh, my brother would score 20 goals a year, you know, and then when he get called up to the AHL, obviously in, in that era, they weren't looking for little guys, right? So they're looking for the big boys. And um, unfortunately, if his size hurt him, but he was so fast, 
He could play at great hands. He could kill penalties, play power play, he fight. And with the last name Gillies and with obviously um, some of my early years of pretty much just hitting and fighting, it's not like I put up points. Um, you know, he would, well, I think when he got called up to Bridgeport, like you're talking about, he had eight games played, a couple points. I think he said four. And then he also fought George Peros and Travis Moen on that stint. And he did well against them. He didn't lose. Like my brother's tough as nails. I've seen him absolutely knock out guys bigger than me in in the bar. But together, like we've, we've gotten in wars together. Um, You know, he's tough as damn nails. I mean, he's got brick hands. He's in great shape still. Um, You know, we just, I miss it. I miss him to be honest, because we spent so much damn time on shooting pucks, train and stick. I mean, I should have been stick handling more like him. He would stick handle during every TV show with his head up, bouncing balls on his stick and toe dragging. And I just be like, get the fuck out of the way. I'm trying to watch the game. You know, we'd be watching hockey with my dad all growing up and I'd go to the garage and hit the heavy bag. My dad, my dad kind of knew, you know, mm-hmm. which, um, you know, he's like, he goes, Trev, you gotta hit, go hit the bag, you know? And I was, and I loved it. So, um, but no, we, you know, I'm proud of his career. He did well. Um, just if, if he was blessed with my size, I think he definitely would have made it. So, you're talking about your brother having a lot of talent and you going and hitting, hitting the heavy bag. It sounds like you guys are the real life uh, young blood brothers from the movie young blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we were young, like he played at his own level, my brother, Nathan. And, um, and then when we got to what are we, around, I think minor Bantam for me, which obviously now I think it's different. Like the ages have changed. Mm-hmm. A minor band on my brother played up triple a with us and he was one of our top forwards um and i obviously played defense i was our captain um we had a good team um but you know we're playing against guys like jumbo joe thornton and and you know the league was you know it was the alliance um triple a league so you know there was we definitely weren't one of the best teams but we did have a we did have a solid squad for you know a small city of cambridge so there's a, there's a town, there's three towns that make up Cambridge, Ontario, my hometown, which is Espler, Galt, and Preston. And so I'm from the Galt area, and I got buddies that were in Hespler and Preston. And so mainly it was just Galt growing up, double A, and then Hespler had their own single A program. So in order for us to go triple A, because we're not as big as like a London, just say, or some of these towns, you know, um, we amalgamated. It's what they called it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Don't don't ask me what the hell that is, but whatever. We we merged and um and we ended up getting some studs from Preston and I think one or two guys from Hasport. Um and you know we we had a great team and I have, still have a lot of a lot of friends um, to this day that were on those squads. But my brother was a stud, man. I mean he was um he was by far one of our best players and. Yeah, I definitely um, was more physical. You know, back then I had a big shot. I would play the power play, and I got a lot of points, but nowhere near him or some of the other guys. I wasn't the player on that team. I was, I was big, and I could skate, and I played D. But um, you know, he he had some he had some sick mitts and wheels. You know, and and I know you said <laughs> your brother's tough. And I saw a picture of your old man. I remember back in the day when uh, you were here on the Islanders. Uh, they did the whole uh, trip with the dads and everything. And there was a picture of you and your old man, and he had the Fu Manchu going too. And uh, he looks like he had some big paws and, uh, you know, he could handle shit if it went down too. So is that where you guys got your toughness from? Oh yeah. My mom, my mom's no slouch either, bro. Um, 
my mom is just the sweetest lady. She, I have phenomenal parents. Um, yeah. Lucky to still have them both. They're they're still very much in love, and they've been together since they were very young. Um, on and off when they were real young, but they met young, like I mean, way young. I think like around fourteen or something. Oh wow! And so uh, my mom was an RN, um, registered nurse before they had like the bed lifts and stuff. So. Mm-hmm. You know, she did pretty well and worked at Oakville Trafalgar Hospital when we lived in Milton. And then I'd say around um, fifth grade, after fifth grade in Milton, we moved to Cambridge. And um, my dad would commute to Toronto every day for his whole career. He worked there like 35 years. He was a supervisor of plumbing at the Toronto airport. The blue collar job, they always want him to become a suit and go up in an executive type role and make more money. But he was, he was making good money and he's like, I'll never be a suit. Like he's a savage dude. So, you know, they're just, they're great. But my mom's tough too. Like my mom, you know, she had like biceps and great legs. and booty. Like I mean, my mom isn't like no skinny little petite, you know, pushover. I mean, she's, she's tough. She's still a worker. I mean, she goes out and does her all her own yard work. I mean, she's, she's the grinder, you know? Um, and just, they taught us, you know, from a young age to give your 120% plus in all you do and kind of F the naysayers and, you know, follow your dreams. And, you know, j- just a lot of things that I think, you know, a lot of people don't teach nowadays. You know, everyone's a fucking winner nowadays. Yep. Um, yep. That is definitely not the case um, in my house. Like you had to earn like I play my mom in this trivia game still to this day. And we're trying to beat the piss out of each other. Like you want given wins, you know, you got to earn those. And, and I'm truly believe that to this day, the same thing with my kids. Like when we play games, even when they're young, like board game, I don't give a shit what it is like Yahtzee, Monopoly, whatever it is. Like you got to earn your wins, you know? And uh, I believe with that mentality, um, you know, you're going to, you're going to teach success. Um, so yeah, they're doing great. My, my pops, unfortunately, um, you know, had a heart attack in his sleep that he didn't know about and a really bad stroke. Oh, wow. Years oh, wow. ago. Um, but my dad was huge at one time. So the video you've seen with our Fu Manchus, my dad's had a mustache or facial hair my whole life. I've only seen him without it, I think, once. And he looked, it's like I didn't recognize him. <laughs> but my, dad, my dad's name's Murray and my mom's Cindy. And um, yeah, no, no, just blessed to have them both. My dad's, a, he's as tough as, as they say down in the South where I live in, I live in Evans, Georgia, the nice part of Augusta, Georgia, home of the Masters. What they say down here is, you know, he's as tough as a fucking rattlesnake. So nice. definitely learned that from him. Um, you know, I'd see him do shit like, you know, we'd be fixing a car, his the, one of the cars or something, and we'd be trying to help. And if you didn't if you didn't know the right tool, he wouldn't be happy. So you'd have to try to figure it out. Just like the brute strength on him, man, was like insane. So, you know, me and my bro, we started lifting early. And um, I definitely got a got it from both of them, really. You know, just tough, great parents, blue collar people. And my dad now so regimented, he eats perfect. He used to smoke. He put down cigarettes that day and and he's doing great. And he walks twice a day. I mean, I couldn't be more proud. I mean, uh, you know, from going from a tough love father um, who was phenomenal. Both my parents like sacrificed so much so we could have what we have and um, wear better equipment, play in better leagues. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like they definitely put their kids first, which, um, you know, which is what I tried to do. Um, and obviously as an athlete, you gotta be, you're, you gotta be somewhat selfish. So I definitely try to, you know, do what they did. Um, but yeah, he's a warrior, man. And, uh, he's doing great, but to hear him now, like the difference in mentality, uh, one of the times I heard 
you know, I'm so proud of you, son, was on that father-son trip. Um, you know, because I just have the mentality, it's I call it NFQ attitude. My boy Joel Reckless has it on his arm. Um on with a wood like it's like wood cross and he has NFQ on the other arm, I believe. And that means never fucking quit. So, you know, that's like kind of my mentality. It's always been like that. So just to finally get rewarded after so many years of grinding and fighting for the brotherhood and you know, as me and Yabo both say, he's my best friend. I'm sure you're going to get him on here soon. Hopefully I'll help you with that. Oh, uh, you know, is, is fighting for the crest on the front, not the name on the back is what we're all about. Um, I mean, shit, I met Yabo when I was in Peoria fucking million years ago. And um, I was a D-man. He was a four. We became best buddies and shit. We never fought. We fought against everyone else on the same team, on a great team. But we ended up fighting each other, I don't know, six, eight times, all wars. Like the guy's tough as nails. So, you know, it's a different breed that does what we do, but, um, you know, I definitely, my parents, I don't think my mama really liked it. You know, no, I don't think any mom that's a loving mother is like my mother, um, loves to watch their son fight. Right. right, right but right, right. fortunately for me, um, you know, I was pretty good at it and, um, you know, definitely won a whole lot more than I lost. I mean, everyone loses fights. Anyone who says they haven't lost a fight, they're full of shit. They're spot pickers and they, they're, they're, they've never, they're not fighting the right guys. So right, right. it was always someone bigger, tougher, longer reach styles, make fights. We all know that. And, um, you know, just, just so blessed to have such get off this topic, but just to have the, the family I have very close family. No, that's great to hear. I'm all about family. You know, uh, I, I don't, I'm not even in the same universe as, as someone like yourself, as far as toughness goes, but like when people ask me questions about different things, I always talk about growing up and, you know, my dad, hard worker, you know, immigrant from Italy, uh, always work with his hands, real tough guy. That's why I smiled here when you talked about uh, your dad working on the car, because uh, that's what my dad, uh, my dad is a mechanic. Well, he was a mechanic when he was working and uh, when I would have to help him when he was working on cars on side jobs. And that really just entailed getting him the tools. And uh, I never, I never wanted to get him the wrong tool. Cause I had absolutely no interest in the cars. And uh, I actually, uh, I actually say this a lot with my dad um, when he started cursing, then I knew it was like, try to find where the door was. And then when he started cursing in Italian, that was it. That's when I had to make my way out because, uh, I knew the fur was going to fly, but, uh, but no, I always say like, I got a, I got a good mix of everything from both my parents. My dad was, you know, a tough guy and everything. And, you know, he loved me, he loves me, you know, like fortunate, like you, that I still have both of them, you, you know, they're not married, but they're both still alive. And, uh, I got a lot of good things from my mom too. And, uh, so I'm very fortunate too, but I did get a smile on my face when you had mentioned, uh, mentioned, uh, your dad working on the cars. And I know you and I took different paths because I know you're, you've got that. We'll get, we'll touch on it later. Uh, the car that you still have, uh, you work on cars and I'm basically lucky if I could pump my own gas, but, uh, but that did make me laugh. So, uh, so <laughs> well, to, be honest, to be honest, brother, I don't really work on my cars much. I mean, I can do the basics, you know, if I don't change my oil because it's why it's not much more to go get it done but i can do all that crap you know battery fix basic things but you know i have a mechanic that i trust that I, the only guy i'll let my car and, um, you know so i'm the same as you but i do definitely yeah. like the old stuff and i won't ruin it we'll talk about that later but yeah no man i got an awesome mom and dad mom got the french size size uh she's french my mom's maiden name is bold and my dad's gillies so um Definitely uh, both hardworking families from both sides. So, um, you know, that's pretty much what I took pride in is being the hardest worker and 
and one of the best teammates in the game. It was pretty much the only reason why I stuck around because my skill set definitely uh, wasn't as good as, as a lot of the guys. And luckily, I was able to carve out a nice career and, and get to the get to the what I call the penthouse. Yeah, absolutely. So before you got to the penthouse, we're going to start in 1995-96. Uh, now, I don't have any video of this. I don't have any highlights, but uh, you played on a team called the Caledon Canadians in the, like the Metro Junior Hockey League. Uh, a couple of names that you played with that jumped out at me. One guy who is uh, a renowned minor league tough guy, Roger Maxwell. Uh, another guy who played physical, and I think he he might have been a first-round pick or a second-round pick uh, of L.A., and that's Matt Zoltek. I remember him uh, playing. He played in Trenton, I think, for a little bit uh, back down when I was in Philadelphia. Uh, what Was the, was that one of the first? Because uh, I think that was one step below major junior, correct? So how was the uh, process of getting up to a level like that? So, you know, playing Major Bam AAA, I was the captain um, with the Cambridge Hawks, and that was my hometown team. And my brother played on that team. He was a minor band player, and it was the team I was telling you about. Great team. And, um, you know, we're not – well, I wouldn't say we're the best AAA league by any means because we're, we're nowhere near it. Obviously, you've got the NHL and Toronto and, and some other ones, right? But, um, you know, the top players from – from the team, like the odd team or the league, they, there's a, what's called an under 17 camp. And that's like team Canada, team USA, team Finland, you know, all those teams, team Russia, they all have one of those. It's like, and then they have an under 18 and then there's the world juniors that just try to break it down for some of the listeners. Who don't understand what it is. But, um, you know, I went to camp, uh, the under 17 camp had a very strong camp. I didn't make it to the final camp uh, from my camp. They only take like a certain number from each league. So I was up against some pretty stiff competition in our league. Got names you'll recognize are Brian Campbell, mm -hmm. stud offensive player, had a hell of an NHL career. He was my defense partner on a summer AAA uh, team uh, back in the day because we would play year round. Um, he's incredible. So I was obviously defense tough physical in front of the net, just abuse guys in front of the net. You know, if I ever got in trouble and didn't have a play to the middle of the wall, I mean, he's there on a 45, you give it to the guy, he's pretty much teaching people out. He was this absolute stud. He had a hell of an OHL career, and a hell of an NHL career. Um, and then he was on a, not on my team, but, you know, he was in our league. So he made it for that. And then you also have a name by the Mike Van Ryan. Yep. Uh, I believe his coaching in the NHL. That, I don't know. I remember him as a player. So I never made it to the final camp, but there's so many scouts from all over, all different junior B, junior A, like up to C and stuff like that. Um, but I was fortunate enough to get scouted by the Caledon Canadians, and we have a rule in, when you're kind of growing up, this is a little heads up for for young kids or, or people that are listening. If you play for a program, just say like the Junior Islanders, I'm, I don't know if that's the name of it there or not, yep. but mm -hmm. whatever program you kind of grow up playing in, if they have a junior team, you're kind of owned and protected. It's called they own your rights. So the only way that I could, because I went to Cambridge's camp the year before, and my dad was super pissed because I had an unbelievable camp, and I should have made the team, like as a sixth or seventh D-man. Um, but instead, like Cambridge, my hometown, um, who ended up changing, they didn't end up doing this forever, but back in those days, and I'm not afraid to say it, is they would really recruit heavily from Sault Ste. Marie and Sudbury, mm -hmm. way up north. And so that kind of screwed a lot of us hometown boys. 
So, you know, if they're bringing someone in to live with a billet and, you know, it's, they didn't really give the chances to the local hometown guys. So the only way around that for us, when I got cut um, the year before, my dad didn't even want me, he wouldn't even let me go to camp the next, the next year. And obviously being from hometown, I was thinking, oh, I'm just going to play for the Winterhawks, right? That awesome old barn, Galt Arena, um, you know, it'd be great. But, um, you know, I'm glad it worked out the way it, it worked out because I got recruited by Caledon, went to their rookie camp. I ended up fighting Andrew Peters, um, okay. who later became a teammate and friend. He was super young, and obviously that fight went very well for me. And I just, I had a great camp. So then I made it to main camp, and I made the team. And that's, they couldn't stop me because they own my rights because tier two junior A is considered higher. So I, I got lucky and I played for a guy by the name of Greg Ireland. He's a phenomenal coach. He coached in the American league. Um, we were owned by Scott Abbott, who is one of the inventors of trivial pursuit. Oh, and wow. he, yeah. He's, he's awesome. So we got treated, I got treated at 15, like I, we were in the NHL. I mean, we had all matching bags. We had leather jackets. I mean, it was like incredible. And like some of the guys you mentioned, like Raj, like I got to learn, I got to watch the toughest guy in the league by far. He was killing people. Um, I got to be around him every day. He was so good to me. He was 20 years old. Like, his, well, whatever, 1920. It was his last year in junior before he went pro. And I was a 15-year-old kid. And then I met my best friend, came to that team. He moved away from home the same year. Brendan Brooks, he was in my wedding. He was a stud hockey player. He played like 22 years, skilled guy. Never made it to the NHL, but was a good in the AHL, had a hell of a career in Europe. And uh, we still talk to this day. He's got a podcast as well. And um, just a phenomenal guy. And then Matt Zoltek moved away from home. Um, you know, he played on our team. He went 15th overall to the NHL. He ended up going in the second round to the O, but, you know, 15th overall to the NHL. And myself, and we just got blessed to play with like a group of old studs. And they only had a few of us young guys. Dwight Cormier was there, Phil Semione. These guys are from Thunder Bay. But the rest of the team was like way older and they were all good. So from that team, we won the Metro Junior A Championship um, and Greg was amazing. So this is something not a lot of people know and I've never talked about it before. So, you know, I was just playing my physical style in tier two and we got the half cages on, right? Those iTechs. I mean, not the full cages, the eye techs, they're, they're like bars. Some guys would wear the full visor, but I hated it because I couldn't breathe and it'd fog up. So I'd wear the, the actual bars and I would just be destroying guys at 15 and with hits. And then all of a sudden, some, some guy like a heavyweight on the other team would come grab me and rip my helmet off and then I'm in a fight. So, you know, you're not really allowed to fight in AAA growing up in the summer leagues, you do a bit. So I've had, I had a few before that time. But you're more fighting out of fear and, and adrenaline. And I've said this on other podcasts. Like, if I could bottle up adrenaline and sell it, I mean, me and you would be have our own island. So <laughs> It's a hell of a drug. So, you know, um, I just enjoyed that element um, and just started. And I'm a lefty, right? I'm a natural lefty. Like, I didn't just train to throw lefts. Like, I'm a natural lefty in everything I do. So, you know, most right-handed fighters are only used to seeing righties right they're not yep. used to seeing lefties so you know out of fear you're just chucking left bombs fast down the pipe and you know I'm, I'm winning fights and so but i did get caught by this one guy i can't remember his name he's with thornhill rog used to beat the bag off him and um you know and he he's a tough guy so he did his job i mean i don't i don't fault him i'm glad he grabbed me because it taught me a lesson so he kind of was asking me to go and i didn't know who the fuck he was like it's not like he had like youtube and people to study back then it's just like 
you know, this guy that can barely skate is asking me to fight and I'm a kid and I'm just like, kind of like beat it, buddy. Like, fuck off. And then he, you know, he's not going to take no for an answer. So he rips my bucket off and I, and I end up doing well, but he gets the better of me and I have, a, I get cut and on the top of my head. And so then Raj, next time my dad, my dad would come into town all the time because he worked in Toronto at the, you know, the Pearson International Airport. And he'd come because Caledon's not that far. So he'd come with like my uncle and my cousin who was like me and my brother's idol. He was a stud hockey player, Billy Gillies. Um, Billy, Billy never made it past like tier two type style in Milton, but he was a hell of a player. So they'd come watch. So you know, obviously you want to put on a show for dad and Unc and, and, and cuz. So when someone asked me after the first few, I was just like all about it. So I just, uh, Roger said, you gotta, you gotta bolt Trevor's helmet. So they would take like those things off the front of the cage and put them on the sidebars and then screw it in to the plastic. So now if someone wanted to ask me to fight, all right, well, now we'll both take no jumping. We'll both take our helmet off like men and we'll go to center ice and show these motherfuckers what we're about. And so that's kind of how it all started. You know, I'd bury a guy and then their fighter would come out because my penalty minutes were high because I was just I would fight whoever asked. Um, And then all of a sudden coach calls me into the office. Right. And as a young player or as a tough guy, you never really want to be called in the office. You always kind of think the worst. So, you know, Coach Ireland, you know, sits me down. He goes, okay, Gilly, have a seat. And I'm thinking, oh, fuck, you know, like, <laughs> moved all the way from home. Like, we got a stud team. I'm the only young defenseman on the whole squad. I'm thinking, uh, you know, in my head, you always think the worst. Like, I'm fucked, whatever. I'm going to get sent home or, or whatever. So, um, you know, and I and I snuck out. I was sneaking out of my billets home and stuff, hanging with my buddy, my buddies that are living in Bolton, Ontario. Shout out to them. And, uh, some unreal dudes I'm still friends with, but unfortunately lost my best friend. That um, we'll talk about that later. Okay. So you know I'm tilting, and coach goes, you know that's after that guy grabbed me when I got cut, and yep. he was the toughest oh. in the league besides Raj. I can't. I wish I knew his damn fucking name because he was tough. And so I just remember because I already had a couple of fights, but when he grabbed me, I was like, oh boy. So like you know, obviously started working out and stuff like that a little more. Um, and then he called. He called me in. He goes. Hey Gills, you know, he's like, uh, how you feeling? I said, yeah, good coach. He's like, man, he's like, you, d- you know, I just want to let you know you did a great job last game. And I was like, you know, as a, I didn't have a clue who this fucker was. And, um, and I'm like, ah, yeah, thanks coach. So, you know, sorry. Uh, like I, I think I should have done better. And he goes, are you fucking crazy? He goes, besides Roger Maxwell, that's the toughest guy. He goes, besides big Raj, he's like, that's the toughest guy in the league. And I'm like, Oh, Okay, you know, thanks, then, you know, type deal. And he goes, Gilly, he goes, I got one question for you. And I said, yeah, coach, you know, go ahead. And he goes, did you like, do you like it? And I said, yeah. I go, yeah, coach, I fucking love it. And he goes, he goes, and he pulls in, and he pulls out his thing, his drawer of his desk, and he pulls out this list. And I don't have a clue what it is. I mean, I knew of like the Guelph Storm, you know, the Sioux Greyhounds, the Kitchener Rangers. Like I knew some of the teams in the OHL, but uh-huh. You know, my mom is real big on school, so she wanted us to go get scholarships, me and my brother, right? So, you know, and I had to keep good grades and all that good crap. And so, um, you know, I had to do well in school. And so coach goes, you see this right here, Gilly? And I said, yes, sir. I was like, what is it? He goes, well, this is the draft list. He goes, it's the early stages. He goes, they don't rate them by rounds. They rate them, rate them by double A and A players. And he goes, this is all the North Amer- Americans on this list. Or no, he goes, this is all of the Ontario boys on this list. Um, 
all levels, junior C, you know, major band, like AAA, like junior A, tier two, all that stuff. It's for the OHL draft. And so he tells me, he goes, I go, oh, cool. You know, I had no idea, Joe. I had no fucking clue. I was that green. I was just trying to play at the highest level and win every game. And I played on a stud team and ended up winning a championship. And I'll explain why this is so important for my career, because I kind of just like fell into it because I was big and I just started doing well. Like, it's not like I said, all right, well, I'm going to fight every night. It just kind of the way I played with physicality, it came to me. And guys didn't want to fight fucking Raj because he was a killer. He was like 240 pounds. You know, he was a he was a behemoth. I was like 195 pounds, just shredded. I had big legs, but I was skinny up top through left bombs. And um, you can, if you ask him, he'll be like, he always says, he goes, you were the toughest kid I ever played with. So, <laughs> which is a huge compliment because I love that dude. And I, yeah. I thank him to this day. Like, so I, you know, I'm so thankful to have met him at such a young age because he made such an impact on me. And like, you know, just showing me stuff and just the way he was. And I just like loved it. And um, coach goes, well, I'm glad you like it because you're rated right now as a double A player, which means you're a first or second. And so he goes, hey, Gilly, if you like it, he goes, we love it. He goes, don't stop playing the way he goes, play the exact same way you are. He goes, he goes, you know, kind of like almost like be a criminal, like bring the, <laughs> bring the criminal element, hit everything that moves, be an animal in front of the net. And anyone who wants to fight, he goes, smash their head in pretty much. And so I said, OK, he goes, can you do that for me? And I said, Yes, sir. Of course. And uh, <laughs> so, like, I mean, that's how naive I was, Joe. Like, I had no clue, man. So, like, yeah. I just started fucking fighting every night. And uh, and then we ended up winning. And about three quarters of the year, we got this guy. I mean, everyone, when I say his name, everyone's going to be like, well, no shit. He played, like, 20 fucking years in the NHL. But we got this kid named Danis Zubris. Okay. And Zuby, who they came out with a stick. Remember the Z-bubble? Mm-hmm. It was a badass fucking stick. It was before one pieces. It was like a shaft. They used to have the butterscotch Easton shaft. Yep. And then they had the greenish one and that was called the Z bubble. And so, you know, Zuby was, this guy would be working with us guys. Like he's from, I think Ukraine or something. Um, I hate to say the wrong thing. I know he's not Russian, but I think Ukraine. And, uh, you know, he's just, he looked like Ivan Drago, dude. Like he had no body hair. He was just fucking ripped up like a bad report card, just like shredded weed, like just jacked, you know, doing shit that no one else could really do except for like, you know, Blanchard and like who was sick on our team. That's Bobby Orr's nephew. Oh, and uh, we had a stud team, dude. And so, you know, with, with Zuby in the building, you know, he's supposed to go in the first round of NHL draft. And he did. He went like, I think 15th overall to the NHL draft to the Philly right from tier two he wasn't even playing major junior i mean the shit this guy was doing it he's just dominant like spinoramas picking the puck up flipping it over the d like going in sniping fucking top cheese where grandma keeps the fucking cookies like i mean he was retarded good and so you know that helped everyone else because we were already nasty and then we got the best player fucking in the country that's not major junior and so 30 scouts nhl scouts and ohl scouts were in the building every night trying to get this kid and, and scout him and so it was kind of like one of those things, like everyone says, you know, it's like it was the right place, right time. And man, like my, that was the only championship I won. And I like why I played so long is because I was trying to win another one, you know, and got close a couple of times. I'm sure we'll talk about that later, but, you know, made it to the finals once in the coast, made it to the semis in the A, semis in the coast, 
but just never won another one. So, you know, you always, you never forget those guys that you won a championship, you know, when you're, you know, ever, no matter what age you are. It's like those Isles guys, you know, you see those guys at the alumni events and they're like fucking best friends and brothers, you know, they, they bled together. They went to war together and they won four fucking cups. Like it's incredible. Yep. Yeah. You know, so, uh, no, I got super blessed there, but yeah, Zaltec was a hell of a guy. We were real good friends. Um, and you know, you mentioned Maxi, um, but we had a lot of other dudes, man, like big D man, like Vaughn and we had Tucker. I mean, we had this other cat on our team, Doherty, Doughty, Doherty. This guy was a fucking nail gun, dude. He was way smaller than me in height. It was me, Raj and him were the, the killers. I was young, but Doherty, this guy was, this, he was like, kind of like built like a fire hydrant, just jacked. And he was like a, kind of like a Joe kosher. He would cripple fuckers. Wow. But we just had it all, man. Like we were just so good. We had two great goaltenders. Um, so yeah, that was a hell of a year, man. And, you know, being first year away from home, you, you know, you get eyes opened up to a lot of stuff, but, uh, man, it was a blast. And then got lucky enough to play on that team. Otherwise it would have never been drafted the way I, where I was, but winning a championship, you know, that, that boosts your stock huge and fortunate for that. Um, you know, and I ended up going 19th overall to the North Bay. So that's how it all started. Well, that was my next my next question, but I did go. You said the uh, the guy, the tough guy, was on Thornhill, right? Yeah. Now I'm going to throw a few names out at you because I went to the. I'll roster. know it right away. I'll know it right away. I just have had a, you know a few concussions. Yep. And it's, it's <laughs> how long has that been? Twenty five, thirty years ago. Yeah. Well, there's a guy who in this season had 474 penalty minutes. So I'm wondering if this is that's him. him. That's him. Stephen Kanupka. Yeah, that's him. That's yep. him. Okay. Yeah, that's him. Yep. He was a tough fucker. And he, you know, and he'd tell me in the box, he'd be like, hey, kid, you know, good fucking job. He's like, you're a tough fuck. Yeah. You know, and he'd be like, I'm sorry, I had to do that, buddy. You know, like, you know, it was like one of those things, right? Because he yeah. knew, he knew after fighting me that fucking big Rod was going to be looking for his ass. <laughs> um, you know, Rod was like my big bro. So, and that's how it is, man. That's how it is on every team. It's like a fucking family, right? Like, yep. I mean, well, I mean, we'll sure we'll get into that, but look at the aisles, right? When we were getting pushed around, I mean, we had guys like Jack Hill and fight and Blake Como, who's still there. Love that fucker. I mean, all these guys would be fighting. Matty Martz, me, Kanopka, obviously we're doing the job, but like we all just kind of bought in, you know, uh, Blake yeah. Como, the creep, love him. Like Ricky. I mean, like we just, we just, we're like, fuck it. We're going to arrive in five and stick together like a band of brothers. And, and that's one of the things that's just so special about the game, you know. It doesn't matter the level, whether it's tier two, whatever. It's like, you know, you're truly willing to to sacrifice for the, the guy on each side of you. And um, you know, that's that is super special. That's what that's what makes hockey so great. So before you found your niche, well, you found your niche in Caledon. And is that the reason why you went so high in the OHL draft to North Bay, like you said, second round, 19. Yeah. I mean, if you look at Joe, I mean, you know, obviously that's what they were looking for back then. Right. They're yeah. either going to take like the stud goalies, the guys with the huge points in either junior B or tier two, or they're going to take like a big raw guy like me, like I could skate up decent. Uh, and, you know, obviously you see my penalty minister through the roof for a young kid and a ton of fights. And, um, you know, if you look at my points, like, I didn't have many points, you know, like I was just a defensive guy and just murder people and with hits and, and then whoever wanted to fight, I'd fight. Right. So like it started out where Rod was fighting all the killers. Right. And then all these younger dudes or the, the next wave is what I call it on every team. 
you know the game better than anybody for this, but just to break it down for some of the fans who don't quite know, we usually stay in our weight classes unless something gets wild. So like, you know, you usually won't fight a guy that's really not in your category, whether it's a heavyweight, you know, lead the light heavyweight, you know, some of them might fight some heavyweights, right? You know, usually you're not going to be fighting a middleweight guy or a skilled guy, but sometimes you got to do what you got to fucking do for the boys. Like, it's you know, whatever. Um, I'm not out there to play patty cake or be friends. If, if something needs to be identified, then it will happen at whatever level. That's one of the things I took pride in doing. And it cost me some money. I'm sure we'll talk about that. But, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, so, you know, unfortunately for me, I wasn't the, the lone gun, right? It's never easy. I, had, I was a lone gun a few times in my career, and I'll gladly tell you about it as it comes up. I know you're going to go step by step. I don't want to jump ahead. Um, but I had the fucking, I had the nuclear weapon on my team in Big Raj Maxwell. And we called him Buddha. So shout out to Buddha. I love you, motherfucker. You helped me so much. I ha- I told him, now I never, I never met him, but I told him he is, he, he, there was one of my most favorite hockey moments that didn't involve a fight actually involved him. It was a, uh, I think it was the Calder Cup finals or it was the semis, but I think it was hey, the finals. And the one thing people, one thing people don't know, I'll let you finish is. Yeah. Big Raj, Big Raj never played in the NHL. He was never drafted to the OHL. But Big Raj went right from Tier 2 winning a championship to the American Hockey. He went, started out on the coast a bit, but he, I think he was on that team that won a – might have got called up, but he won a Kelly Cup in Mississippi, I believe. He was on that team either right before or right after. And then uh, Big Raj won two Calder Cups. Yep. He won, uh, he won a Calder Cup in Hershey. And he won a Calder Cup with the uh, Providence Bruins. Yeah, and that's. I mean, he's the ba- he's the man, dude. He's such a good human. Yep, he's a good guy. He works on, I think, the oil rigs now or something like that out, in, you know, out west. But uh, I reached out to him recently and, and just you know kind of thanked him. You know, it's, it was when, uh, you're, when you're finally done when you're finally done chasing the carrot, you know, and yeah, um, it's it's good to go back and and, and thank some of the guys that it really helped. Well. What I was going to say is it was uh, during the, one of the uh, games in Providence against, against Rochester. And you know better than anyone about rituals and the warm-ups and stuff like that. So I don't know if Raj had a ritual where he wanted to be the last guy out and he wanted to shoot the puck in the net. Well, another guy that I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with, and I love the guy, Greg Walters. He was playing in Rochester. And Wally was having none of it. So you got Raj on one end and Wally on the other end, and Rogers is shooting the puck down, and Wally is not letting him score the goal. And everybody, you know, all the workers are like, you guys, we got to get on here. We got to Zamboni the ice. We got to do this. We got to do that. And Wally is not getting off the ice. He wasn't playing that night, I don't think. And and it was just to watch it go down. Like, you know, warm-ups are over. Everyone kind of heads up to go get a beer or a pretzel. And I'm like, I'm not moving with these two guys out there. And it was one of the funniest fucking things I'd ever seen. It got to the point where finally – Wally was like, fuck this. He just took the net, turned it around, and pushed it up against the boards. I think he gave Maxi the finger, and he just skated off the ice. And I was like, that is just fucking hilarious. I loved seeing that. And uh, I remember telling him that on Facebook once. I said that was one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. And, uh, no, you're right. That guy's got a ton of rings and everything, and he's a good dude. And uh, it makes me wonder now, and it'll, I'll lead into another question before we get on to North Bay. You always call yourself like a big brother. I'm the big brother to these guys. I'm the big brother to these guys. Is that something that you may have learned being uh, the young kid, being on that team with Maxi at such a young age? Yeah, I mean, there's so many guys on that team, um, you know, that just, 
you know, obviously there was rookie initiation and all that, and we're not going to get into that because no. some of these other some of these other wieners talking about it that are just trying to stay in the spotlight. But yep. it's yep. more of like an honor to realize that you're part of something bigger than you, you know, and and you know, do some of that stuff and just and just just go through it and laugh and just the way I was treated by guys that were way older than me. Um, you know, I had a fake ID at 15, Joe. Like my mama knows it's no secret. Like, you know, our, I mean, our goaltender had a shaved head. I had a shaved head. He was from Quebec. He gave me his license and I went out with these guys. Like, I mean, I'm a fucking kid and it was, it was amazing. Like I got treated incredibly. Um, so yeah, you know, they were like the big bros and, and you learn that, you know, all the good teams, like, I mean, it might be different now, but, but back in the day like that, if they, everyone buys in and is pushing and pulling the rope, um, you know, and if you're not, well, then you're probably not going to fucking be around. You know, you, there's tons of guys that have way more talent than so many players, but they're a cancer in the room. They can't buy in that, you know, even when the leadership tells them like, hey, this is how we do it here. Because everyone has a different culture in every locker room, right? Every organization has a different style, different culture. You know, like, for instance, Lou Lamorello, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, everyone knows he doesn't like facial hair. Trevor Gillies, no matter who the fuck you are, you could be the top player in the league or you could be the fourth line tough guy, uh, in and out of the lineup type player. You know, he's all business. So you're not going to have a fucking mustache or a big beard or, you know, you got to look like a pro. And I kind of dig that, to be honest. Like, I think that's super cool. I mean, now that I'm in business, I clean shave every day, right? Like, I don't have the handlebars or beard. I'll scare my clients. I'll, I'll scare some of the women. They'll be like, what, the, who is this guy? You know? Yeah. So, you know, it's just, everyone has a different culture, but that's ultimately up to the leadership group, whether you're a C or an A, there's also other leaders on teams to kind of bring everyone together and create that family atmosphere. And, and when you have that, I mean, even if you're not the most skilled team, that's real dangerous recipe. It's, it's a recipe for success. Um, and, you know, I took pride in, in being someone that was willing to, to make sure at the more at the minor league level, I was a nobody at the NHL, right? We had, you know, we had the guys that were the big dogs and that, that were great at, or made more money or had been there longer. Like one guy I want to bring up, Bruno Gervais, unbelievable human being. Love him. Unbelievable human. He's one of my all time favorite teammates. And he was just unreal at like organizing everything and getting guys together. Like Dougie Wade was great. Like Ricky, like, you know, Roly, but like, you know, ultimately like brew is like, he was that guy, you know, people like probably were like, you know, just like people shit on my kind of style of player. Right. Like not getting a lot of points, not flashy, you know, but just steady Eddie solid player. But man, like his worth in a locker room, just the type of human he is like I would take that fucking guy on my team any day of the week. Like he was phenomenal. Like, here's a quick story. So when I'm in the NHL um, for the, for that 14 game stand, I was up there a lot longer, but I was healthy scratched and I got sent back to um, finish the year with the Isles. And I think, I don't know. I can't remember. I had like 72 pims or whatever, a bunch of flights or whatever. And um, I get sent back to Bridgeport to be there for the guys, right? Because I was like that guy in the AHL. Like, I was like the big bro. I knew I wasn't going to play in the playoffs down there. But I was running the skilled guys, the young guys, you know, the black aces that are coming that are going to be future prospects for the Isles. Some of them pan out. Some of them don't. 
and that don't matter, but I'm running them through skates and stuff like that after practice with the coaches go in and on the game. Well, um, I get a call from 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 Big Brew, Gervais, saying that they're having the year-end party for the Isles. And they send a town car. This is all Brew and the older guys, but Brew got it going. Send a town car for me and Mrs. Gills. That's what I call her. Danielle, my wife. And comes and picks us up in Bridgeport. Had permission from the team. Um, comes and picks me, picks us up, takes us to New York City to meet all the boys. Like, who does that? Like, you nope. didn't have to do that. They, the boys didn't have to do that. They love me and I love them. It was incredible gesture. Incredible. And so we go up. We have a, a you know, one of the things in the NHL, man, I call it the never hungry league. Like, you're eating like you're fucked. It's <laughs> unbelievable. But we go to like a badass meal. The rouge is flowing, which is the red wine. You know, having some juicy, juicy cocktails and just enjoying the time with the, the wives, the girls. Some of these guys are real young. There's some of them are still on the team, like, but they're all there. The girlfriends, the wives. And then we end up going to that uh, Broadway play called Rock of Ages. It was yep. incredible. Like we, we literally, the whole team was there, all the wives and girlfriends. And we had like coolers of beer. We were the only people in there that were, we had coolers of beer in the, <laughs> in the robes. We were allowed to do it. And we're just sitting there watching the Rock of Ages show. And we got to meet everyone after and after a great night, um, you know, I go back in the town car and like, that was just, that's just a, a simple story of like certain guys that are those glue guys, right? Like the brothers mm-hmm. and that just pull everyone together. You know what I mean? And, and he was honestly, like of my whole career, he was probably the top dog for that. And so I learned a lot from him and you learn a lot from everyone, right? If you're, if you're open and willing like at tier two, you know, I'm learning, you're learning every day. Like I still try to learn every day. So yeah, just, I mean, blessed to have met so many great people in this game, but, but that's one of them right there that definitely needs a, a nod early in this. Yeah. He was going to get a nod <laughs> later uh, when, uh, when we talk about certain things uh, and I'm going to bring up some of your teammates that uh, obviously the guys we're going to focus on mostly are their tough guys, but uh, during your Islander time, definitely bringing up some of the other guys. And Bruno was a guy that was always really good to me. And, uh, just when you mentioned his name, I just got a big smile on his face. I love him. I think he just does him. that. Anyone that knows him, when you mention his name, you probably just get a big smile on his face. And just so for not- the Coliseum Chronicle faithful, uh, the the big Gil train, Shane O'Brien, is one of my best buds in the game. He uh, he gave me that nickname. Is definitely having some bourbon. So uh, <laughs> highly highly recommend uh, Blade and Bow Bourbon for any of the listeners if you're bourbon people. I'm going to look that up because I'm generally a maker's guy, but I'm going to look at, I'm going to look that up because I don't drink too much, but uh, yeah, you can collect the keys. And if you collect all the keys that you're allowed to get a free tour of the facility, I believe it's in Texas. I'm working on trying to collect, uh, collect this. I believe it's five or six keys. Big deal. You have to check that out as well. I definitely will. I definitely will. So you get drafted to North Bay and uh, you play with a guy in North Bay who had a very long NHL career uh, probably Islander fans hate him. I'm sure every team that isn't an Ottawa Senator, every fan that's not an Ottawa Senator fan probably hated this guy, but there's no denying how effective he was. And, uh, I wonder if, uh, he was I know, that kind of I know player. Exactly what you're Chris Neal, what, did he play the same way in junior? So Neeler, so me and Neeler came in together as rookies. I believe Neeler was a seventh or eighth round pick. You'd have to quote me on that. Don't quote me on it, but look it up. Um, uh, our first round pick was Tyler Renette. Um, great, great player. Uh, it's a shame he never played in the NHL. He was a stud. Uh, and then he was second pick overall. I went uh, second pick, second round. 
our third rounder, um, who's unfortunately not with us anymore, was a very dear friend of mine. Uh, we lived, his billets were like a block away. I could walk to his house. And I used to drive a, <laughs> I used to drive a Honda, 1986 Honda CRX. It was my first car, a little two-seater, five-speed stereo in it. Um, saved up, worked like a lunatic, and uh, got that car. But I was, you know, we used to, we didn't make no money in really the OHL. It was like 40 bucks a week back then. I don't think it's much more still. But, um, you know, so obviously mom and dad would send some coin to help. But um, I got extra money every week to to drive. And unfortunately for me, I didn't have like a whole car full of morons jumping around <laughs> listening to music, right? Like we're young junior kids. Like we're, we're get, you know, we get wild. So, but Stevie Mott's, Monty, they call him, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, he was my, he was my guy. He was my boy. So, Hey, we lost him at a young age, but man, what a great player. He was a lot better player than me, obviously. Um, he, you know, he had some offensive talent in the OHL and later on he ended up doing a bunch of fighting, but, um, you know, love that kid. And then we had a bunch of other great guys in there too, but Neeler was a late pick and, um, Neeler had a badass car when we were young, you know, this is, this is back in, I think, you have to quote me. I think it's 96, 97, correct? Uh, that is, yes. And by the way, you're right. He was an eighth round pick. Yeah. So yeah, I, I got a decent memory still. On yeah, old bet. So some of the newer shit you asked me, I probably won't remember. But, <laughs> you know, punch, as they say, as I, as I said on the last podcast, I did the uh, fight stories, like punches are invited. Yeah. Great line. Thank you. Thank you. I love it. I actually got, I believe, um, one of my buddies, uh, <laughs> Devin Setaguchi said it to me one time, and he didn't mean to. And it was when he was drinking me sober now. But uh, I just have ever since then I always have said it. Um, so yeah, Neeler was Neeler was a big boy. And one thing about Neeler is he's just thick farm boy, right? I believe he's from Flesherton area, you know, and um, in my like Orangeville area, Flesherton. Yep. I think yeah. the birth, birthplace is Flesherton. It's been a long time. Correct. But, uh, yeah, Neeler, Neeler had some talent, man. Like Neeler had a great touch around the net. Neeler wasn't a heavyweight, so he would fight a bit, but he wasn't fighting the guys that I was fighting. You know, me or Lee Cole, or you know, the, the guys on the team that were there for that. Um, but Neeler could play, man, and that's why he had such a fucking great career. Is he could really play? Um, he could play way better than all the other tough guys. I mean, if you look at our era. I think Chris Neal was probably the most complete player in that era for guys that were legit could fight killers. Cause you know, well, I mean, obviously, and you had guys come in later that were, I mean, I don't want to get called out for this, but like big Luch, you know, obviously he's better, but like certain guys, but like in the era where the guys are playing a lot of minutes, Chris Neal could fucking play. And just a good guy, man. Like, um, just was an unreal teammate. Like I love Neeler. Um, you know, and that big head he has, um, <laughs> once he got to pro hockey with that big old farm neck, cause it's important to take a punch. Your neck and all that is important. Um, people don't realize that your neck and your size of your head and like, if you tuck your jaw, and, you know, just, he was built for it, man. So like he's something he fell into his rookie year pro and he fought in junior. Don't get me wrong. But he wasn't fighting the absolute nuclear weapons. You know what I'm saying? Like, that wasn't his job. Right. Um, but once he got to pro, you know, in the IHL and the coast, well, Neeler fucking figured it out. You know, it, it doesn't have to, you don't have to be a rocket scientist to realize you're on the fourth line and you're in the IHL and you're going up against these old legends and you're the only tough guy on the team. Well, who the fuck you think's going to do it? 
you want to let your brothers get beat up, your little brothers, uh, or are you going to man up and do the job? So, you know, I couldn't be prouder. I think he played over a thousand fucking games, like, and just a, a great human um, and a great teammate, like truly enjoyed him. He, uh, he definitely landed in the right spot. I mean, sometimes guys just fall into a spot and I don't mean fall in. I mean, he earned every shift he ever took, but him ending up with Ottawa, uh, was perfect for him because they always usually had a guy more of a renowned heavyweight type where maybe Neil could fight. Yeah. Like they had, I think back in the day when they had like Denny Vial, he was tough as nails, you know, like they had certain guys like that, but like, you know, Chris Neal, man, like what a career, like, Anyone who says anything differently, they they don't have a fucking clue what the game is about. Nope. I mean, it's impressive. All with the same franchise. I mean, yeah. that just doesn't happen, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's very impressive. So you played uh, one season with North Bay. You started the next season. You played two games. Now, unfortunately, I have uh, zero video of Trevor Gillies in North Bay. So if I had to ask you maybe – uh, if you had to remember maybe the wildest incident or the best fight or anything down from your time in North Bay, uh, what would that be? Well, I had a lot of fights my rookie year. Um, not a ton. Right. If you look at my stats, I'll explain to you why. Like I only played, I think it was like 26 games. Correct me if I'm wrong. 26 games, 72 yeah. games. Yeah. So I probably would have had 300 minutes if I would have stayed healthy, but in training camp, there was a guy by the name of Tony Pappas and he did, no one knows him, but they should. Um, his brother, his brother, I believe is Perry Pappas. Um, Perry Pappas won, um, a mem cup with Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds and his brother was tough as nails, Perry. And so his little brother, Tony, he trained him and he could really fight. This guy could throw both hands. He was super tough. So obviously I get drafted to be the heavyweight. We didn't have a heavyweight at the time. We didn't have Lee Cole. And I'll tell you why we got Lee Cole. I was, that was supposed to be my job, but in training camp, you know, I'm playing like the fucking animal I I used to play like and um, banging guys. And, you know, that's just how it was. We're playing inter-squad game. And the other, I didn't know who this guy was. He was a late pick. Um, Well, I fucking sure found out who he was. So me and the, he challenges me. And I was thinking in my head, like, I'm going to beat the fuck out of this guy. You know, not taking them lightly by any means, but but thinking, oh, yeah, let, that's how you have to think. I mean, not to be cocky, but that's just the mentality. Like, if you don't think you're going to beat the guy up or win, you shouldn't be fighting because, you know, ultimately you'll be looked up in the lights. Mm. That's just the mentality you have to have. And so me and him have this absolute war, Joe. And um, and he, he cuts me. So I don't know if you've ever noticed I have like a, a scar through my – he switched up and hit me with a bomb. And none of us fell. Like, we both ended up the fight standing. Like, it was an absolute war. Like, you know, just two young guys, you know, your jaws are untested. You can go fucking forever. Your gas tank at at those ages is insane. So, you know, we have this incredible fight, and I'm landing bombs on this kid. And we're the same age, but he cuts me. Like, I got a lot of blood. Like, I still have the scar. It's right through my eyebrow, and I have, like, Bert and Ernie big boy eyebrows. (laughs) Um, And so... I ended up shattering my hand on his, on his fucking head. So I had a cast on pretty much that whole year. And then when I got my cast off, the first guy I fought was this guy named Brown. Um, I believe he was in Sarnia. I can't remember his first name, but I know it was Brown. He was a first rounder to the show. I ended up beating him. 
No, it wasn't a guy that played in the NHL. This guy was like, oh. you'd have to look him. Okay. So, um, but anyway, I fought this brown guy, and uh, it's a good fight. But I, I win. But I like my hand wasn't mended yet because I'm a moron. Because <laughs> you know, back the how it was was as soon as you get, you know, you got to do what you do, right? Like if I'm gonna run around like that, and I'm and play that way, like can opener blow blow their skill because you were allowed can openers, right? Yep. So even if a skill guy came down on you, you could stick your stick up by his groin or his knees and then turn it and control him. If you turn it to the right, well, he's going to go to the left. If you turn it to the, you know, turn it to the, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And then you just mm-hmm. blow him up. So like, that's how I played. That's like old school Scott Stevens shit. Yep. And, yeah. um, you know, Bob Rouse, whoever you want to bring up. And so pretty much he comes and challenges me. We have a, my, my hands not ready, but you know, that's how it was back then. Like you can't turn down shit. So yeah. I fight him. And I'm kind of beating the wheels off him, but it's a good fight. And then I break my hand again. So then the cast goes back on. So I pretty much played that whole year with a cast. So I had a few fights, but I'd say the highlight of that year, to be honest, was that fight with Tony Pappas in training camp because it was an absolute war. And we ended up becoming very, very close friends. He made the team because of that, um, which he probably wouldn't have. But, he, you know, he's his brother's smart. He's like, hey. Go out there, do your thing, fight the toughest guy on the ice. And that's exactly what he did. He made the team, and he had a good OHL career, and we became really good friends. So I wish Tony would have made it. Um, not a huge guy or anything, but, man, was he fucking nailed. So, you know, and then uh, the two games the next year, I got traded for, I think, two players that were better than me um, skill-wise. But Mark Hunter wanted a tough guy. So, um and we'll, I'm sure you're going to ask me about my stop in Sarnia in a second. That was that was uh, obviously when I when I look at uh, the stat packs and everything, and I look at the numbers, I always look at the coaches. And uh, a coach like a Mark Hunter, I'm definitely going to always ask about because you would think a lot of times having a um, a coach who played as a tough player, and Mark Hunter wasn't a heavyweight, but he's a Hunter brother. You know, they always are uh, psychotic out there, and uh, I love the Hunter brothers and everything. But sometimes you, they surprise you when they don't treat the tough guys great so i'm always going to ask a guy like yourself what was it like playing for mark hunter (laughs) well i'm going to be brutally honest like i always am so you know at that age you know being a 19th overall pick um as a defenseman always being a defenseman i'm going to sarnia and being told you're going to be a forward for me um you know obviously you listen to your coach what are you going to tell him no so you know you do what you, you do what you're told. So he started putting me on wing. I had no clue what I was doing. And, um, you know, being used the way that I was at a pro many, many years later at a young age when I still was considered a prospect, didn't really, um, you know, sit well with me, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, having closed door meetings, um, which I've never talked about this before. So you're the first one to ever get this out of me. Besides, besides friends and close family. Having close meetings, um, Mark Hunter was correct. I, I have to give him credit. He's a brilliant hockey mind. I loved his brother Dale when he played. His brother Tim is an absolute legend killer. Um, you know, they used to run in front of their dad's pickup truck. He told me this story. And if they slow down, the dad didn't slow down. So that was like their training. <laughs> These are tough farm boys. Oh, yeah. So what are you going to say when you're a kid against a grown ass man that just that played in the NHL? So, you know, 
you just have a polite conversation. There's no screaming at each other. Like shit, what am I going to do? So, you know, just looking at hunts and, um, you know, I said, I go coach, you know, if that's what you want, I'll do it, but I'm a defenseman. And he said, well, on my team, you know, yeah, I did play a little D, but he said, you're going to play wing. So I fight this guy by the name of DJ Mando. Yep. Young. And I have an absolute war. If there was video of it, you'd be like, holy fuck, Gilly. I was young. But this dude's way longer than me. He's longer than me and he's bigger than me. So my mom and dad and my sister and my brother were at the game in Sarnia. I believe it, yeah, it was in Sarnia. Yeah, it was in Sarnia. And I fight DJ Mandu, who at the time was probably the toughest in the fucking league, one of them. And it's a war. And don't, none of us go down. But they did not recognize me when I walked up to them in my suit after the game. Like, that's how <laughs> fucked up my face was. Wow. So, like, my nose was fine, but my whole forehead was so distorted, like, swollen. And my head, and I had a black eye. Like, literally, I couldn't play for a week because the large helmet, the, ex- the biggest helmet they have, like, extended, wouldn't fit my head. <laughs> so Man. it looks like an absolute draw war, but I look bad. Like it's the worst I've ever looked out of any fight off ice or on ice in my life. And I've been in a lot. Um, so my mom, obviously, she, you know, that didn't, she didn't like that. So, you know, pretty much, you know, Mark Hunter was right. I was never going to make the NHL as a defenseman, but me doing what I did ended up affording me time to go to the East, to finish my career in the OHL, be one of the top dogs in the league. You know, there was other guys like Kip Brennan and John Erskine and my other teammate, uh, Richard Scott, and my other teammate in Oshawa and Andrew Peters. And there was other guys, right? Mm-hmm. But it let me go to the, uh, the ECHL, which we're going to get to, and develop and fight guys that aren't absolute mutants um, in the AHL or NHL. So, you know, I told him I wanted to trade. And so pretty much Huntsy bagged the absolute piss out of me every day, said I was a little heavy, which I wasn't. I was like, I don't know, 210 or something like that. And um, there was another guy on our team named Shane Kenny. He was a second round pick. And Shane Kenny was, a, Kenny was like a second round pick to, the, to I think, Philly. And um, big boy, huge shot, tough as nails, older than me, one of our, one of our leaders, one of our older guys. And there was a hell of a team there at the time. Um, and Hunts is a hell of a coach, but he wasn't a hell of a coach for me at the time is all I'm saying. And I respect the hell out of him, but I do think if I would have listened to him, um, and stayed at forward, I would have probably got to the AHL way faster, but I would have got destroyed because I wasn't at that level yet. I needed some seasoning. So it ended up, it's just like what everyone says, right? Regardless of what people believe, the big fella, whatever, whatever religion you believe in. You know, there's a there's a reason why things happen. And I got finally got my trade. I was Bobby Orr. I played with his nephew. He was my agent and Darren Ferris. And we got a trade to Oshawa. And then I played for John Goodwin and had the best two years ever with an unreal group of guys. And, you know, and then worked my way up the hard way. But, yeah, I got ultimate respect for Mark Hunter. But if I would have listened to him, I, I would have been concussed at a young age, and I would have only probably played about two years in the American League because I would have got throttled by those guys at the time. And that's just, then that's just me being totally honest with you. Yeah. Uh, one guy you fought before you got traded to Oshawa, and I always 
try to uh, ask questions, especially if I don't if I didn't see the fight and I didn't there, I didn't see the video on it. But he was actually drafted by the Islanders. He played for uh, Plymouth, and that was Andy Burnham. Do you remember that fight? Yeah, I kind of. Um, I don't remember the details of the fight, mm-hmm. um, but I do remember he was a really big boy. Um, I remember him being a lot taller than me, um, but I can't tell you the details. I wish I could, but I yeah. just don't remember. Like, yeah. I remember the DJ Mando one because I remember looking at myself in the mirror and not recognizing myself. That sounds like a you crazy know? one. So, <laughs> Yeah, and then the, later on in my career, when we went to Lowell, this is kind of a great um, – <laughs> You know, it always comes full circle. So, you know, I kept getting better and better and tougher and tougher working on my fighting with the Vanderpools, you know, training. And I got bigger and ended up being like, you know, 19 years old, one of the top guys in the league. But at that time, I wasn't. And I was fight, trying to fight him. So, um, you know, is when I went to Lowell, I, he went to Lowell camp and I was trying to fight him like crazy and he wouldn't go. Me. Oh, so, is that right? I mean, if he would have had my mentality with how tough and strong he was, because I know what he did to me when I was young, mm-hmm. that guy would have played forever. Like, he was tough as nails, and he was a good player. He yeah. was pretty good. You look him up. Like, DJ Mando, he was a fucking animal in the OHL. He was a man amongst boys. Yeah. No, I remember I, I remember seeing him. You can't win them all. DVDs, you know, so. like I told you, you can't win them all, and I definitely didn't win that fight. But, yeah. uh, you know, I was proud of myself for, for standing in there. And, and back then, it wasn't like the shit that we do now, right? blocking going away from power cross grabs like back then man it was grab the front of the jersey toe to toe let's see who's tougher you know and um and you know he he definitely uh he definitely got me with some real nice licks that uh well and it turns out i guess going to oshawa was the best thing for you and uh, you already talked about andrew peters you played with uh, another guy who was also part of the islanders organization a few you know down the road uh, I mean, what can you say about the guy? I mean, he ended up getting a broken neck, unfortunately, with the Islanders. Tough as nails. Oh, Another Kevin guy Collins, who baby. worked his way up to so through so many levels to finally get to the Islanders, and that's Kevin Colley. What do you remember Kevin about Colley, playing with him? Baby. Yeah, Kevin Colley, Kevin Colley's my age. He's a '79, and uh, he was our best fucking player, Joe. So a typical, you know, well, most people. I'll, I'll break it down because most people don't understand, but. Kevin Colley got a fucking hundred points in the OHL. I mean, but he also is from a tough family. His dad, I believe, played pro hockey. Kevin Colley looked yep. like yeah. a scrap. He's not afraid of anyone. He'd scrap off the fucking ice. I absolutely love that dude. He was one of my boys. We'd go out to bars. We'd hang out. We had a hell of a group there. Hell of a group, you know, and <laughs> we'd sneak out and or we'd have a day off and we'd go out, all of us, like me, Colley, uh, Lucky, Jeff McMillan, you know, Baxter, uh, you know, jo- John uh, Scott, not John Scott. Um, Mark? Mark? Huh? Mark Scott? No. Uh, um, Richard Scott. Oh, Richard we Scott. Him, we call yep. him Dickie. He's tough yep. as nails. Mm-hmm. He's an overage rookie. He's an animal. Yeah. And then we had uh, my boy Coltsy. I mean, we just had, you know, Brian Allen. I mean, we had a crew, you know, Govro. Like, we'd all go. The whole team would go out together except for the young. But um, Calls was a stud, man. He was our top dog, but he wasn't a feed fighting junior. And, um, you know, he's really, really good player. And so, you know, I didn't really need to protect Collie. Right. But, you know, yeah. when, when guys are – when guys come around that are not his skill set and bigger than him, well, obviously that's my job. Me, me, you know, me, Dickie, or, or Petey. 
you know, and my yep. boy Colton yep. can chuck them good too. And there's a few others on the team later on. And last year we had TJ young, TJ Reynolds mm-hmm. was a rookie. Love mm-hmm. that kid. He's from Kitchener. Um, big shout out to him. Still, he's a good friend. Uh, Brandon Cullen was in my wedding. He's, he's done very well after hockey owns a bunch of gyms, but Brandon Cullen also played for the Islanders, yep. uh, yeah. Islanders, but Bridgeport. Mm-hmm. And if he wouldn't have took that cheap shot by that motherfucker, Francis Lassard, he would have played in the NHL. He could play. He was tough. And man, that guy's a wheel. That's a good looking cat. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's just say he has racing slicks. So I love that team. That was, that was by far my best year in the OHL. That group is, will ever have a, a soft spot in my heart. Like we just, what a fucking team, you know, Tyrone Gardner and Ned. I mean, we just, we had a uh, Warren Holmes with overager, Dickie Scott. We had a uh, Buster Gallant at one point, I think my second year, great dude. We had Dan Hineout who won a Stanley cup. This guy was a beast. We had a play where we dump it down and he'd beat the icing. Like he would beat their players. Like he was a fucking specimen. Credit. Yeah. Fast as hell. Um, now it was a, it was just a great squad, man. My defense partner was uh, Jim Baxter, who was one of the most talented, gifted players. He used a fucking wood stick, just <laughs> sick mitts, saucing it all over the ice back in those areas. It was, it was Brian Campbell finished first in D scoring, and then him. And so it was pretty easy to play with a guy with that much talent. You know, he made me look good on a lot of nights, and I made sure no one fucking touched him, or the big brother was gonna be breathing down there. So, no, man, I love the love my time with the generals, man. Um, Brent Grieve, if I'm not mistaken, he was the assistant coach, correct? Oh, yeah, I love Brent Grieve. I got to see him finally at the Islanders, last Islanders alumni thing before all this COVID crap. Yep. Um, and what a dude. Mm-hmm. He was awesome. And we also, our other assistant coach was um, Brian Marchman's brother. Okay. Yeah. Well, Grieve, you know, Grieve played on some very tough teams in the minors when he was with the he was Islanders. Grieve was tough too. I was going to say he didn't shy away from it. He had, I mean, they had heavy artillery all the years he was here in the minors. They always had four or five guys, but he would never shy away from it. He didn't mind dropping them either. But I truly loved my coach. All my coaches in Oshawa, man. Like, um, you know, we had Goody. Um, John Goodwin was our head coach. Griever was the assistant. Mar- Marchman. I mean, then we had Sorella. Uh, I think it's Sorella. I might be saying it wrong. Joe Sorella. Yeah, one of the Sorella, yeah. You know, he, he played too. Oh, yeah. um, you know, just a, I just loved it, man. Like great old barn, like just first class. It was a first class organization. Uh, one fight I'm going to ask you about that first year. Uh, you fought a buddy of mine who I, I will – Till I'm blue in the face. See this guy, underrated, tough. He get I he's so underrated. Uh, played a few years pro, but I think at the time in Kitchener he was. I mean, just this goofy kid, kind of gangly, but tough as nails. You remember fighting Darcy oh, exactly. Harris? Dar- Darcy Harris. Yep. You yeah. So actually, yeah, you. I remember it. I remember it vividly. It was in fucking Kitchener. I had my whole family and friends there from high school. Like tons of tons of buddies, tons of the girls from high school that were dating my buddies or friends of mine there. And, um, you know, I love that bar. You know, the old Kitchener Odd is an incredible place to play. Um, you know, and and Harris at the time was one of the toughest in the league. I believe he he was a year older than me, so I don't I can't remember if I was eighteen. He might have been nineteen, or I was nineteen. He was twenty. 
but um, I remember it being kind of a technical battle. Um, I didn't win it, but um, it was a good fight. Um, I ended up fighting him later on in my career. I'm sure we'll talk about that later, yep. but yeah. um, he's undercover killer, undercover killer, and um, really cool. Like, I'm really good buddies with Brett Galan, and uh, we'll talk, I'm sure we'll talk about that as you oh, keep yeah. Absolutely. As, as we keep going through these years, because there's still fucking many of them. But, um, you know, you can tell I remember a lot, but I definitely remember Darcy. Um, you know, tough kid and, uh, you know, made it to the A and, and was very tough. Um, but, um, Galley called me a little while ago. Uh, it was a few months now, but they have like these charity events, these golf tournaments where they bring in all the hockey boys. Right. Mm-hmm. And there's a huge group of guys in PEI that, that played, right. It's maritime. Yeah. fucking tough. And, um, Darcy Harris was there. Oh, fuck. Who else did I talk to? Linger. I mean, there's just a ton of these dudes. And I actually got to speak with Dars face-to-face on a FaceTime one night when I was drinking here and, and they were obviously drinking at a charity event. So it was pretty cool to chop it up with him. But, you know, just a great guy. And, um, yeah, no, he was definitely one of my probably toughest opponents in the Ontario Hockey League. He's a teacher now up in PEI. So, and his family has one of the biggest potato farms in, uh, in O'Leary. So, uh, I mean, oh, I've known cool. him. I didn't know that. Yep. And he's, I mean, what a super guy. Met him as a rookie in the American League. And uh, that was uh, a team, you know, Terry Ryan was on that team, Aaron Asham. They had a really tough team in Fredericton. And Darcy's just salt of the earth, good guy. And uh, yeah, but he played for the Quebec team, right? What were they called again? The Citadels. He played one year yeah, Freddie, yeah, yeah. and then they moved the team to Quebec. So, uh, we're going to talk about a few guys on that Quebec team when we get there. But uh, another guy I want to ask you about that second year, another guy who, who I've, I've known quite a bit, uh, played in the OHL, played a few games, I believe, in Detroit. Uh, you remember fighting Ryan Barnes? Yeah, yeah, I remember him. How'd that go? Um, yeah, I mean, it was a good fight. Uh, I definitely won that one, no problem. He's, he's not at the level of a Harris, but... Uh, right. You know, Barnes, he could play, right? Yeah. So that's oh, why yeah. he got drafted. That's why he got drafted to the NHL. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he's a better hockey player than I was. Um, but, no, Barnes was, like, uh, kind of um, good buddies with all those guys, like um, Jeffer- Mike Jefferson, yeah. who I, I like. I like Mike Jefferson. I think he changed his name to Mike Danton. Yep. But um, I played with Jefferson, um, uh, Mike Jefferson in, in Sarnia, and he was a great kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked hard, extremely talented. He, he just hustled, you know. And then uh, there's also Sheldon Keith, who is the, um, the the Toronto Maple Leafs head coach. He was a fucking stud yep. OHL hockey player. Mm-hmm. Stud. He was one of the best in the league, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but there was a whole group of them. Like they grew up together, they trained together, and um, I probably did something. To be honest, I can't remember, but I I probably did something to Keith because uh, that's how it was you yep. know what i mean like he was keith's big brother he was their guy so you know he probably didn't want to come out and grab me but he did so you know i got i got a ultimate respect for anyone willing to, to fight for their brotherhood and, and barnes too um you know so um you know it, it's just surprise surprising though that like a guy like me got blessed to have the career i had and play as long as i had because a lot of these guys were fucking way better than me joe like you know, um, the, the, that was a great league, bro. I mean, the, the OHL was incredible. Like, yeah. it, was, yeah. it was such a fun time. And, um, you know, this, those memories that, that will last last forever, last a lifetime. One fight I didn't see, but I, I've read a little bit about it. 
And uh, I'm hoping that you're going to tell me it lived up to the hype that I read. Apparently, you had a toe-to-toe fight with uh, Nick Policelli of Belleville. Do you remember that? Or yeah, that well, I can tell you one thing I remember about fucking Belleville is that uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, most of the other rinks I would compare to like skating on a lake, mm-hmm. right? Um, but Belleville is like skating in the fucking ocean. It's huge. Okay. So like it was never like our team was kind of more built for, we had big D men, right? Mm-hmm. Like Brian Allen was 6'5", you know, Jeff McMillan, 6'3", 6'4", me and Baxi, 6'3". We had Ilya Demidoff, 6'3", 6'4". We had Jason Maleko, 6'2", 6'3". I mean, we're built for, like, fucking old school, like, North American, you know, tough hockey. So, like, that barn there, you know, that was a fucking... By the time you end up tilting somebody, <clears throat> if especially if you've been out there a bit, you're tired. It's a lot more skating. It's like playing in Europe. So um, now I don't really remember all the details of the fight. Um, I do have an old VHS that I should probably give to you, my boy, Joe Lazito, the fight doctor. So I'm going to do a little, I'm, I'm going to do a little rant on you that a lot of the old school guys that you've interviewed, you know, like guys like Cairns and Dakota, and a lot of the old school guys will appreciate me bringing this up because I've listened to a lot of your shit and no one ever has. So I want to be that guy for you. I appreciate so for people, that. For people who aren't listening, my boy Joe Lazito, Coliseum Chronicles, the penalty box. Um, Joe used to be the fight guy for, for guys like us because there was no YouTube. There wasn't, uh, you know, you had hockeyfights.com, probably, maybe not. I can't remember. But the other fight site, um, they used to be able to type the guy's name in and look year after year. That shit wasn't really available to us. So you kind of would go in and, and have these stats packs and you'd ask the older guys like, it's not hard to figure out. Don't take a rocket scientist. I talked about this on this other podcast, but like you look down, you look at the heights and weights and you see a guy 240, 230. He has like barely any goals, like barely any assists. might have zero points across the board, like a Trevor Gilly stat line, but his minutes are through the roof. So it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that's the guy getting paid to look after the fellas. But one thing about you, Joe, is you, I know many guys that have told me they used to get VHSs from you back before I made it. And you were the guy, like you were the fight doctor. And so you would give these tapes to guys you liked, not to everybody, but guys you liked in exchange for like a badass stick. I'm sure you got probably at one time the best enforcer stick collection on the fucking planet. You know, I like memorabilia, so I'm jealous. I love that. (laughs) But, uh, and then when I got there, you know, or, or when I met you, which was, uh, I think, of a little younger age, you would give me DVDs. Yeah. So that's how we would study players. Um, you know, so I don't remember a ton of, uh, like, all of them, but I have a pretty good memory, so I can't remember exactly. I do remember fighting Pasilico. I remember me being an older player, um, I think 19, because I turned pro at 20, mm-hmm. and he was a younger player. Um, it was a good fight, but I definitely won that fight. Um, I didn't lose many at that time, to be honest with you in the OHL, I think Darcy might've edged me in our fight. Um, DJ definitely got, definitely got the nod in that one. There was a few here and there, but, um, you know, I was, I kind of like fought like a lunatic, like, uh, at that time, just your hands go and, and, um, and, you know, fortunately that it worked out. And the only thing that saved me, to be honest, Joe, if we're going to be like, totally humble about it and honest is that I was a left-handed fighter. So 
it truly is such an advantage, um, especially at the at the, that level. You know, there wasn't many lefties in the league. And, you know, with my size at that time, once you get to pro, you're not that big. So yeah. you better yeah. you better learn how to throw both and you better, you know, learn a bunch of other stuff. But at that time, you know, when you're just chucking left missiles and when you land the first one or whatever, um, you just never let off the gas. Right. So it's 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 a lot different fighting in junior than it is in the pros. And I'm sure we'll get to that. Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, thank you. Uh, it was always fun, you know, meeting guys. You know, I was fortunate, uh, you know, living so close to the Coliseum here. And then when I moved to Philly for 10 years, I wasn't that far from that rink. And, um, you know, I, it was just a hobby that I did. And, yeah, I was able to to meet a bunch of guys, and I, I enjoyed doing it. And everybody, you know, I, I mean, listen, people hear it on the show and other shows whenever a, a tough guy's interviewed. You guys are just like regular people. And I always tell people, like, I feel fortunate that uh, – uh, you know, I think as professional athletes, you got to kind of keep people at arm's length, most of the people. But, uh, you know, it wasn't that long. And all of a sudden, I kind of felt like I was not not your brotherhood, so to speak, because that's what you guys do. But I was kind of let in the inner circle really early. And, you know, word of mouth goes around. And then, you know, guys would come here to the island or go go to Philly when I was there. And uh, it really says more about you guys than it does me that uh, you guys are all so, you know, so cool to me. So so I appreciate that. That's very humble of you. but. You know, one thing about tough guys is, you know, we can we figure people out pretty fast, but you're just so genuine and and that you loved it as fuck as much as us. So that that got us that got us excited. So, you know, on behalf of the whole fraternity, I'd like to thank you on that. Oh, and by the way, Mrs. Gills just came in here. I want her to say hello. Oh, perfect. Hey, How you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Um, it's uh it's very nice to hear your voice again. Hear that southern accent, Big Joe? I hear it. I hear it. That's I don't she, you know. She it's, lost it. It's been ten years. I I didn't remember it, but uh, oh, she's not going to lose it down there now, right? No, exactly. But you know, everyone would say like you know when she go up north, it would change a little bit, and and she does talk differently than a lot of our friends because she's been to many places. But um, yeah, I'm so glad you you got to got to meet my wife. She's she's one of the good ones. Well, obviously, she's going to tie into this later, and I'm going to obviously cut this part out, but she's going to tie into this later when we talk about your groomsmen. You don't uh, need to cut it out. People will love it. Okay, then I'll leave it in. All right, everybody. No, uh, listen. This every- is no, uh, listen. Wild. I love you. I love both you guys. You this guys- is going to be really sweet, in which I wouldn't usually get her to do this. She's going to go get me a bunch of ice cubes and another glass of bourbon so we can get wild. <laughs> All right, I'll leave it in. No problem. No, you guys are uh, you guys were always nice to me, and uh, you came over and had a nice dinner at that time, and uh, just salt of the earth, good people. So it's great to hear her voice again. That's for sure. Yeah, she just got back from the dental office. She works at. Okay, very nice. I kind of don't mind that, Joe. She's in the scrubs. You know, they look nope. pretty nice. They got these two fitted ones nowadays. They're not like the old school ones. <laughs> They're pretty hot, big Listen, huh? I uh, I'll make you sure I'm wearing them around. Them. You know, as long as I'm alive. I'll make sure I'm wearing them next time I see you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think big fellas like me and you would look too good in those. No, I look like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man if I get a white one, but, uh, you know. Um, no, touching but if you – What's that? You'd be touching cloth, buddy. <laughs> 
Well, if you want to get back into it, I got two more questions to ask you about your OHL time. You can ask ask me whatever you want. I told you you have to be open book. I I wish I remembered more details on some of these early fights. I'll do a lot better um, once we get to the pros. Well, these you might remember. They were, well, one, I'm not sure you were involved in. I have a grainy video news clip. But apparently there was a penalty box brawl against London that uh, Richard Scott and Dan Jevsevsky were involved in. But I couldn't tell if you were involved in that or not. Were you involved and do you remember it? I remember it vividly, but I was not involved. Um, there was a bunch of stick swinging. And, um, you know, to be honest, they had one of the toughest guys, probably the toughest at the time in the league. I never fought him because he was a defensive defenseman. And, an old, an old Dickie, my boy, um, who I've talked to in the last little while, actually, which was kind of cool. Um, and I'm, me and him have had a, we had a hell of a fight later on. I'm sure we'll talk about that when I get to the old days. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, Richard was, he, he was hungry, bro. You know, like he would fight anyone. And um, hell of a teammate. So, like, but, you know, John, John Erskine and Trevor Cruz weren't rushing the puck much. No. Oh, Erskine yeah, is a killer. Okay. Yeah, he was a killer at that level, like in the OHL. So, you know, that brawl happened, and I was watching it, and um, it was pretty wild, man. Um, <laughs> like, but uh, I remember Johnny Erskine and and uh, Dicky. This is I can't believe this is back when I'm a kid, man. Shit, mm-hmm. you yeah. just I forgot all about it until you brought it up. But they're like climbing over the glass, getting at each other. Like it was it wild. Yeah, uh, but yeah, man, a lot of that stuff happened, you know, um, back in the old days, and and uh, we all stuck together. Well, same with their team, and you know, we all made it out all right. You know, just a couple, uh, just a bunch of good guys uh, going to war for the for the crest, man. It was uh, that's the shit that brings you together as a team. You know, it's um, some wild stuff. But I think we had a couple young cats in the box at the time. They were probably doing more hiding than fighting, but, uh, you know, my boy Dickie, he handled it. And, um, no, man, but John Erskine, like, was very, very tough. I never fought Erskine, but, um, you know, huge fan of him. Um, hope he's doing well. Don't know much about him post-hockey, but he had a hell of a career. Yeah, yeah he was here for a bit, and uh, I don't know. Yeah, he's... yeah, I know he started his career there. We started in Dallas, I... actually. Okay, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. He was here. It's like it was here. The Islanders are basically like a stopover. Like he played a few years in Dallas organization. He ended up playing a ton of years with Washington. Uh, and then in between, he played, uh, I think, part of a season here on the island. So I always I just, go back. I mean, I know you've watched them all, but for some of these fans that don't know, don't really know him, because this is a long time ago now. But You go back and you watch some John Erskine fights, like I think Colt Nor. There's some names in there that are just like, these are epic. Yeah. Like, he was he was a big big he was a killer in the OHL. He was an absolute killer. Um, I never fought him though because I was a defensive D man, and so was he. But um, I my buddy fought him in junior. Uh, one of my real good friends. I still talk to him. Uh, Brandon Coulter. Yeah. Colsey fought him, and uh, Colsey's not a heavyweight, but man, he he fought him uh, and then Picky and I think uh, Petey fought him too. Um, you know, Petey's real long. Petey had a hell of a career too. He oh, played. Yeah. On the NHL, he got bigger and stronger and played that peekaboo style because he could because of his because uh, of his size. But you know the other guys, I mean, they're smaller than Ersk, so uh, you know they're chucking them. And I remember those as epic battles. 
Most people are smaller than him. He's a big boy. Yeah, he's a big unit. I think he's bigger than me. He's got to be 6'4". Yeah, I met him a couple of times. I think I was looking up at him a bit. Yeah, he's a, he's just a monster. But yeah, man, he was. Uh, I remember watching him, like when he's on the ice, because I was a D man. He was a D man, and I was like, "Damn, this kid, fucking, he was good too. Like yeah. he was pretty good, and he was just, he was, he was a big unit in the OHL. And he used to have this like long blonde hair, and he had no jibs, and he's young. And I'm thinking, who the fuck is this guy? You know, and then <laughs> figured out who he was real quick. Oh yeah. Um, last thing from Oshawa, you had a nice playoff run there, uh, but you were suspended four games uh, for an incident. Shit that my wife doesn't even know this. I'm having to clear the cobwebs right now. This I know. Is kind of fun. I love it. I love it. You have four game suspension for a <laughs> playoff incident against Barry, but I don't know what happened. Oh, I remember that vividly. Um, I'm not involved in that either, Joe. I missed out on all this fun shit. But how'd you get suspended? Uh... I don't know. Was it, was it an off-ice thing or on-ice? No, it said uh, suspended four games by the OHL for an incident in a game against Barry in the playoffs. I honestly, I have no fucking clue. Yeah, I'd probably just get I don't care if that makes me sound retarded. I just had no. that so long ago. I have no clue. But I'll tell you a story about an incident that's Jeez. wild as shit. And it's not, it didn't involve me. So we're playing Barry. And it might have been this playoff round. We got this young kid. I loved him on my team. He was awesome. He was our first round pick. Um, his last name's LaRue. And um, this kid was a good player, like good looking kid, like stocky, like had talent. He kind of a little physical. He mix it up, like just loved the kid. I think he was our fucking underager. Young. And, um, and he gets his fucking jibs taken out by a ruthless cross check. I can't remember the, who did the cross check. Okay. It might have been your buddy Barnes or <laughs> or uh, or, or um, Keith. Actually, I'm not sure. You'd okay. have to look it up because this is a long, long time ago. Okay. But anyway, the incident happened, and our coach and you know, you know, we have these like in-house meetings. You know, let's just call them in-house meetings. Sure. You know, <laughs> and um, it was pretty much discussed that this was unacceptable. You know, he's our first rounder. He's a great kid. He's having a good year. And um, my boy, who we discussed, Richard Scott, my, see, my wife goes, oh, Lord, because she knows him. So, <laughs> my boy, Richard Scott, you know, he's kind of fucking wild, and I love that about him. But, um, you know, we're back in juniors. I mean, this kid, can't, he went from overage rookie to, like, a killer in the OHL. Like, he was in the, in some tier two league. And then he came to our team on a tryout and made the team. And he's fucking one of the toughest guys in the league. He ended up making the NHL. And we'll discuss that later, too. My boy Carnes ended his career. Yep. He was an Islander legend, and I love that motherfucker. But, here. yeah, he's awesome. And we'll talk about him later. Oh, yeah. So, so anyways, Dickie takes it literal and says, well, fuck it. He's like, I'm going to get him. <laughs> <laughs> He was in his suit, bro. Oh, no way. <laughs> he goes in the other team's fucking locker room. Wow. Like, sees the stick rack. You know what I'm saying? Like, what's going through your head as a player to be like, oh, shit, I'm in the Barry Colts locker room in Barry Center. It's a badass rink. 
I don't know what they call it anymore. Sees all the sticks, all the names, the numbers, whatever. And then you have to go around corners and walls and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is wild. Yeah. And he goes in the locker room and finds who he wants. And he gets in a fucking fight in their locker room. And they're like, he's breaking sticks off the walls before he goes in. And then he goes in and like, he ended up getting suspended. But it ended up being like a huge blessing for him because NHL teams found out about it and AHL teams. And that's how he got invited to uh, the Rangers. Get you noticed, right? You just have to get noticed. He did what it, he did. Exactly. He did whatever it took for his brothers. Wow. And that is the ultimate teammate. And, um, man, I love playing with him. He was wild, dude. He'd run around and just murder guys and, and had zero defense. And just yeah. what every one of his fights was a fucking show. And I, and not a show, but like he put on a show, like toe to toe, rock 'em, sock 'em robots, punch in the face contest. But, uh, you know, he's one of my real good buds in junior. And, um, yeah, I got some wild memories of him, but that's definitely one there. I don't remember my four game suspension at all. Um, that must've been knocked out. Um, <laughs> no, you probably peeked around the corner into the locker room and they said, Oh, let's get him out of here too. Let's give him four games. Well, once we heard the commotion, we all went right. So it's like, yeah. you got the teams and shit meeting there and it's like a pile up in the hallway where not, not a lot of whole lots going on, but the damage had already been done. You know what I mean? Like right. he already went in the fucking locker room. So yeah. And he might have been in his equipment. I just can't remember it so long ago, but I know he went in their room, started smashing sticks, and, like, legit was punching people. Um, and it you know, was 30 it, years ago. The fact yeah. that you remember this much, or 20 years ago, 20 years ago, the fact that you remember this much well, is also awesome. more than that, because I played 19 years pro, and this is my third year out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that would have been my last year junior. So we're looking at 24, 25 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the fact that you remember any of this stuff is great. As long as you think I'm doing all right, Big Joe, because I'm telling you, this blade and bow is fantastic. Dude, let me tell you something. They're going to end up giving me a sponsorship. (laughs) We haven't even hit pro yet, and we're at an hour and 45 minutes. I love it. I love it. So um, what happened? You can tell that I I loved it. I'm one of the guys that truly loved my job. I'll talk about it as long as you fucking want. Well, see, that's what I was saying in the beginning when I when I thought about doing the show. And you obviously, I, I met. I've been fortunate enough to meet a lot of guys over the years, and there's certain guys that like to talk about it. Certain guys that'll talk about it just to me, you know, without the microphone. And uh, certain guys don't really like to talk about it at all. And I knew that you would be the kind of guy that would just let it all hang out. And that's why it was important for me, uh, you know, to eventually get you on because I know that, you know, between our friendship and everything else and just I've heard you in other shows, I've heard you in other interviews. You don't you know, hold anything back. You know, I one of the reasons obviously besides us being friends is like I love the Isles. And I I will bleed blue and orange the rest of my life. And I still talk to fans. I still send picks if they if they get a hold of me and want to pick autograph. Like I love the Islanders fans. I was welcomed, you know, being a minor league mutant, I call it um you know for so long and getting the call like i got they were chanting my name like i was fucking a hall of famer like clark gillies like Mm -hmm. like it was my welcome was incredible from the boys to the team to all the fans so man i'm honored to be on here with you to be honest i'm just lucky i'm just one of the lucky ones that got a shot you know like a lot of guys that are my friends that are just as tough or some of them are better players or you know whatever same guys as me they never got their shot so you know, I'm just very fortunate that that uh, and have huge gratitude for, you know, even though it wasn't as long as I would have liked, 
Um, it was still longer than, uh, as I say, proving the naysayers wrong than anyone thought ever. Oh, man. So, Your career yeah. is amazing. And talk about the way you feel about playing for the Islanders. I was going to bring this up later, but I'll bring it up now. Um, when, Whenever, you know, obviously here the Cup teams are revered. I mean, they're legendary teams. And whenever you hear them in interviews, they always talk about what it means to wear the crest and, and everything else that goes along with it. Outside of that Cup team, there are two people who talk about how much pride they have in wearing the Islander crest more than anyone else. And that's yourself. And that's Mick Vakoda. Nobody, obviously I'm sure everyone has pride in it. Obviously. I love that dude. I but, know I'm a little more fiery than him. Cause I like sure love caffeine, but um, <laughs> man, I love me some Mick Vakoda. That is one fucking cool ass motherfucker. The, and I, what I always say is the sun never sets on the cool ass motherfucker. Yeah. And the two of you guys talk about it. Anytime I hear, the Islanders come up with you and the Islanders come up with Mickey. It's uh, the one thing you guys always say is how much pride you took in it. And I don't, I, you know, for, for long Island, like we were talking about it earlier, it's a big Island, but it's really a community and Islander fans are real passionate. And we kind of always played a little brother role to the shitheads in Manhattan. But when you see, when you hear a guy like yourself talk about how much pride you have playing here and, and Mick Vakoda always talked about how much pride he had wearing that crest, like that goes a long way with, with us as fans. And you're on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of amount of time you spent here. Like Mick played, made, played most of his career here. You were here parts of three seasons, but it doesn't matter to us because you guys always talk about how much pride you had being here. And that means the world to Islander fans. That's why you're always going to be beloved here. That's for sure. Well, I really appreciate even being seen in his light because obviously what is he the top fight and penalty minute guy yep. of all time with the Islanders and, and just, a, just a great dude. Like, I mean, when I had my little clothing line for a side hustle at the end of my career in the lower level, which was a, still a blessing, like I played in the best city in America. And we'll get into that later. But, you know, he's buying like my tarps and shit. That's a shirt. And, yep. and rocking my gear. Like, that's a huge honor to me. Like, I watched this guy fucking fight everybody in the 90s you know what i'm saying like you know and and then now i'm in credit card processing and and i have like a one pager that you would love like i didn't win the fight everyone knows that but i fought Derek bugard rest in peace he was in camp uh he was 6'8 285 when i fought him with the with the rangers and you know and i have a one pager for my business that literally is it literally says uh i will fight for your i will fight to save you money you know, I love it. Me and him, it says former, you know, because I'm here. So the majority of my business is here, but I have a nationwide. It, it literally says former Augusta Link, because a lot of my business is around this area. Yeah. And yeah. former New York Islanders enforcer. So, like, I mean, I couldn't be more proud to be on that crew. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's uh, it was a dream come true. And I think, I don't know if I've sent it to you yet, but I have a picture my mom sent me a couple years ago after my time with the Isles. And I have a fucking Islanders hat on in the eighties. Um, cause, and one thing that people don't realize is I grew up in Milton, Ontario, home of John Finelli. Right. So I never got to meet John until the last Islanders alumni thing is John Ledecky, man. Let's be, let's be real here for all the fans. I mean, this is, this owner is the man. Like oh, yeah. he oh, yeah. loves the Islanders and loves the fans. Like anyone who's willing to stay there as long as Trevor Gillies to sign autographs, is a fucking savage. I mean, this guy is awesome, dude. Like, we're so lucky to have him as an Islanders owner. Like, <laughs> I mean, just from from top to bottom, that that thing they put on, 
um, for the Islanders alumni is just like total first class. We're welcome. Like we're open arms. Like we're still playing for the fucking team by the fans. I mean, once you're done, man, it's, it's not the, you know, it's not the same, you know, you know, it's, it, it's different. So that, you know, that is so cool and such a blessing, but to meet John and guys like Mick and Clark and just all the legends. I mean, there's just so many, plus all the guys that I got to play with or, you know, guys before me, it's just, it's just so cool. And I can't wait to have a few beers with you the next time we have it. But, um, you know, I, I, my time there, we'll get into it, but just, the whole thing, dude, like I got an account recently, probably in the last five, six months. He's, he's from Jersey. He's my, he's my boy. I hunted with him probably 20 times this year. I got into deer hunt. I absolutely love it. Talk about that later. And his name's Dr. George Harilla. He owns a podiatry and wound specialty place around here. And he's, he knows more about the Islanders than I do. And I played for the squad. <laughs> I mean, he's a huge Islander. I got like a hundred inch TV. Like we're going to go watch some games and I do his credit card processing, but this guy's the man like, and he loves the Islanders. Like there, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's how far it stretches. Like I met him in Augusta, Georgia and he grew up a, the biggest Islander fan, you know? So it's, it's a special fan group, you know, like, there's a lot of fair weather fans that just, you know, like not to name teams, but mm-hmm. teams that are just constantly used to winning. Yeah. But you know, like when I played at, in for the Islanders, like the Coliseum was rocking. Oh, like oh, it didn't have to be sold out. Like those are the, some passionate people. And then when I got called up as a minor league guy, my first, when I first got called up, I'm staying over there at the hotel. What's the name of it again? The Marriott. Yeah. I'm staying the Marriott. So like I walk across in my suit, and I'm like, you know, giving pound and like bro hugs to like some of the, the, the fans. Like I remember fans vividly. Mm-hmm. Like I still know their names. I'm good friends with some of these guys. Like, you know, Craig Richardson, you know him. Yep. And Sharon. Like these are people that I like consider true friends. I mean, you know, big Jamie Diaz. Like yep. all these people in the parking lot, bro. Do you know how cool that is? Like, for, like. I have so many of them. The guy with that wore all the wigs and stuff. Like there's so many people that I remember vividly, like kick their ass tonight, Gillies, you know, like, you know, let's get this win. Like, we you know, we were the underdog, man. And like, I'm honored to have been a part, like, even though we didn't win, you know, I'm honored to be a part of that because man, what a, they'd be like grilling out sausages, like yep. brats and hamburgers and cornhole. And like, just like the best fans ever. Like I played a lot of places, man. Like it was just fucking awesome. You know, my, uh, my brush with John Ledecky is actually very funny because I, I don't know him from Adam and, uh, years ago, Dude, uh, he's a stud. yeah, he's great. So years ago, a group of my friends, we used to sit in the top of three twenty nine. We don't get as much fanfare as the new group there, but we were the, uh, we're the OG three twenty niners and we had a reunion. Uh, we had a reunion at, uh, Barclays two years ago, maybe or three years ago, whenever whenever Matt Martin was still in Toronto. Oh, and, I love um, hey, Martin. We'll talk yeah, about him later, but I love that yeah. dude. So so what uh, a goal. hey, what a goal last night. Let's go, many marks. I know, right? So uh Ledecky comes and he's talking to all of us. He comes, we got a suite, he comes in the suite. Oh, that was a sick little snipe. Five oh, baby. Let's go. He's great, he's great. So I the, love that fucker. That's a listen. We'll we're gonna talk about Maddie Marks. Don't worry about that. 
But Ludecky, he's he's making his way. He's talking to every single one of us, right? Yeah. And just out of the, out of the blue, like he just comes to me, and you know how you doing, whatever, blah blah blah. He goes, uh, "Let me ask you a question." Now, now, Gills, I'm telling you, I never met the guy. He doesn't know who I'm a fan of. He doesn't know anything. He goes, uh, "Let me ask you a question." He goes, "If you could, would you bring Matt Martin back?" Because he's still with Toronto at the time, and I I just start laughing. And he's like, what's so funny? I'm like, it's just funny that out of everyone here, you're asking me that question. I'm like, in a heartbeat, I'd bring him back. And I said, I'll do you one better. I said, if you want, bring him back. I'll drive to Toronto and bring him back myself if you want to get him back. I said, 100% get Matt Martin back. Now, of course, what I said had zero to do with them getting Matt Martin back. But I just love the fact that he didn't ask me about a goalie or like a Swedish guy or whatever. Just asking, He's asking the people who know. He's asking fans. It was just fans, great fans, that he asked me about just, Matt Martin. Most guys don't realize if it isn't for the fans, we don't get salaries. Whether you're making league minimum, I know it's gone up now, the millions. I mean, that's one of the things that, like, I think that the whole team did such a great job of is, you know, it's like we were the underdog, but guys realized, like, there was no douches, man, when I played there, like, you know, being fully trained, I'm done. I'm not in hockey. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, I might not, you know, people might not care what I say, but, you know, there's good humans on that squad. You know, like, dude, I, I mean, it's a hockey's humbling game, man. You you might, whether you're a fighter or a goal scorer, you might beat a team you're expected to beat. You might beat the top team. You could lose the next night to a shit team. Like, same with fighting. Like, you might have a good fight against a guy that's like a killer. And then you might like not the next one. Like this is the, one of the best games in the planet. It's a humbling sport. You know, it's like golf, you know, like you can't take, you have to be ready for every shot. It's like hockey. If you're not ready, fully committed every shift for your boys or to like lay it on the line, if you're timid on a hit, well then you're probably going to blow your shoulder out. Uh, you know, or blocking a shot. You're probably going to get smashed in the face. Like, this is a warrior game. You know, it's the last sport of that. And, you know, even though the game's changed, it still is. It's a, it's The guys in hockey are approachable. They're good humans. You know, it's just, it's, it's honestly, like, I'm just so, now that I finally, like, am not so type A, like, because you have to be as a fighter, especially, yep. uh-huh to realize like, holy shit, like that was just fucking compared to the real world. And I love the real world. Don't get me wrong. Like I got a blessed life. Like I work for a great team of ex athletes, but man, what a, what a time, you know, like what a time it was and how fortunate we are as men to play a little boy's game in front of whether you're playing 5,000 people in the East coast league, 10,000 in the American league or 20 something thousand in the NHL. It's a, it's a true blessing. Well, I mean, that that team that you're talking about, I know firsthand that I'm definitely going to get into it when we get to that that main season that you were the, that you were here. Uh, I know, I know firsthand how great that team is. Legit. What's that? Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. This blade and bow is legit. <laughs> no, it's all good, man. It's all good. So, Mrs. hey, Mrs. Gills doesn't realize, you know, it's usually like a two or three finger pour. You know, you know what I mean by that? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, she gave me like a solid six finger four. <laughs> You'll be snoring soon. No, I won't. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm good, dog. All right. I got you, baby. 
I so, got you. Baby. You know, look, I love it. I can't wait. This is awesome so far. So, am um, I the only guy who has drank on the podcast? I feel like I'll be way more honest if I'm if I'm drinking. Um, you're the only one. I'm trying to honest about it. Maybe that definitely. I I would imagine maybe one or two guys might have had a few pops. I guess, but uh, uh, not uh, not uh, they didn't advertise. So Here, I'm gonna. Thanks to the Isles fans, baby. <laughs> That's awesome. Let's go. So, Junior, we're still getting to – you haven't even turned pro yet. So, That's okay. No, it's fine with me. I love it. Um, <laughs> your junior year career is over. Because um, a lot of people don't care about this junior shit, so we'll keep them entertained the whole time. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man, listen, that's uh, – one thing I always say, I, uh, I am responsible to nobody for the show. It's my show. I love it every level. So I'm asking questions I want to know the answers to. So, and I know the hardcore fight guys want to know them too. So, uh, so it's going to be awesome. So after junior, um, not drafted, you're, you, you went to training camp with Lowell. Now, um, was that a Lowell invite? Was that, um, what is no, it? So, no. So there's a, there's a, this would be pretty long. But um, after my uh, 18-year-old year, 19-year-old year, year, I never got drafted. Uh, My agent told me to opt out of the draft because of where I was um, seated in the draft. Mm -hmm. Um, He said it'd be better if you're a free agent. And I I agree with him. Um, You know, you might have got a contract, but like I told you, I would have been placed probably in the AHL or the coast. And if you don't do something within your first three years in your entry level, you kind of, you know, you kind of turn from a prospect to a suspect real fast. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I got to go and work my way up. So I went to New York Rangers rookie camp. Uh, Islander fans are going to hate that, but uh, <laughs> that's okay. And did well. And then I went to main camp, which was in Burlington, Vermont. Wayne Gretzky was on the ice, which was so fucking cool. And um, Adam Graves was there. Jeff Bukaboom. Al Samuelson was my D partner in camp. You got Mike Richter. I mean, you know, it's a long list of guys. Um, you guys obviously know that. So it was awesome. So I'm like abusing this guy in front of the net. This is the year before what we're, what you're asking me, but I have to tell this because it doesn't get talked about. So I'm abusing this big boy in front of the net. I have no clue who anyone is. This is before like tape and studying and all that. You know, you're just a young kid. You're young, dumb, and, you know, full of piss and vinegar and just playing your game right like you can't be if you're just sitting around looking at the stars they're gonna make you look stupid so you know you're just just playing hard and um i'm abusing this guy in front of the net and he turns around you and he says to me he says kid he goes if you stick me one more time in my knee or my my back he's like i'm gonna turn around and take out your whole fucking front row and i was thinking in my head i was like fuck this guy (laughs) <laughs> you know which, which which is not smart joe no uh, for career longevity um fortunately for me at the time he decided that he was not going to fight me so i did it joe i give him a fucking spear in the back of the knee because that was legal back then in 99 98 it was 98 i believe and uh and i cross check him as hard as i can in in the kidneys and the ribs and that that was fully legal Yep. Like people think that's like murder now. Like it's criminal. Yeah. yeah. Right. So like that was fully legal. And so sure enough, what I respect is he did exactly what he said he was going to do. That's so important in business. Do what you say you're going to do. 
So turns around, he labels a cross check on me. If I wouldn't have lifted my head a little bit, he would have taken out my teeth. I had a mouth guard in, but it doesn't matter. They would have all been sitting in there like they're dentures. Yep. So I lift my head. He smashes me on the jaw. Obviously, that sends me into overdrive, as I call it, the switch. Flips the switch. And I say, let's fucking go. And I, like, fucking start trying to go. And so it turns out that guy who I got to talk with, with Brett Gallant, was Darren Langdon. Who is all time, in my opinion, one of the all time most, uh, how would I say this, strategic, um, skilled fighters with not taking a ton of punishment. He's a scientist, right? He could last for forever. Anyone, I mean, I know he was a rag, right? We don't like them. I get it. No, ton of respect for him. This guy is a warrior. You know, I think he's from Newfoundland. I yep. love Newfoundland, by the way. I have a bunch of buddies there. I yep. love Newfoundland. I know, I know you like Terry Ryan. But love him. Big shout out to Big Terry. Yep. So he won't, I'm like, got my gloves off and I'm grabbing him. I'm like, well, give me a shot. Let's go. I didn't know who he was. I just wanted to go. He just drilled me in the jaw with a cross check. And uh, he's like, you got to work your way up, kid. That's not how it works in this league. You know, he's like, you know, kind of like let, let me know. Yeah. And so, you know. And he's like, I respect it, but I'm not going yet. And so, you know, I didn't know who he was, Joe. Like, yeah. I had no clue. That's how it was back then. I had no clue. And so I go in, you know, after in between periods, this is why I brought it up because of Greta. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever told this story on a podcast. So this is cool. Um, so I go in the training room and, you know, I'm in the training room real quick. Cause I think I got like, I was kind of like, you know, how you like kind of punch, but you're holding the shoulders. And back then it wasn't like the soft, um, the soft padding on the shoulders of the owl pad. So it had like sharp plastic. And I think the way I was doing it, I like cut up my hand a little bit. Okay. Not bad, but like nothing to like nothing. You know what I mean? Like for fighters, they're going to be like, Oh, poor gillies. Like <laughs> you, you would fight with no skin on your hands, like nothing. Yeah. Oh, so, you know, whatever I'm in there. And then I go back into the room and Adam Graves is our inner squad captain. What a guy. Oh, and yeah. so what a guy, like I'm going to explain, I'll tell a story about him later too. So I go in there and they're all looking at me like, who the fuck is this kid? Is he fucking, is he stupid? Is he a lunatic? <laughs> and they're just staring at me in the locker room and uh, all of them. And so I don't like, I don't give a fuck. Like, I'm just thinking, whatever. Like, I'm here to do my thing. Like, uh, I'm not a draft pick. I got to I gotta make an a, a impression to be noticed. Yep. Well, I sure as shit got their attention, Joe. So the brass up there, uh, I forget the GM's name at the time, and the other guys, they must have said something. Because the next, at the start of the next period, after the intermission, I'm on lefty. You got all Samuelson, my D partner, Adam Graves. I mean, it's all NHLers. On the other side, you got Gretter at center he's got a stick this is how i realized something was going on which fortunate for me i i kind of realized it but i didn't know who the other guy was that was a killer on the other side so their whole side is all nhlers too but gretter's got a stick on his shin pads and he's staring at me before the drop of the puck why the fuck would the great one be staring at trevor gillies i'm a fucking nobody i'm not a ninth rounder i'm not a fourth rounder i'm no one i'm a, I'm a walk-on and so the puck drops. He doesn't even go hard on the draw. As soon as the pucks drop, Uka Boom's on the left wing. He, this guy, Dale Purrington, 
Oh yeah, fought a lot, mm-hmm. and he's a cool guy. But he comes charge as soon as the pucks drop. He's on right D. I'm on lefty. He comes charging at me. He, this is something cool that no one's heard. He comes charging at me, throws off the mitts. We go at it. Hell of a fight, war. And then I'm not like I won, but it's a it's a war. Like it's just a battle. And he didn't know I was left-handed. I'm a nobody. Like I'm coming out of junior. There's no tape on me, you know. And so <laughs> after I'm in the I'm in the I'm, we're getting like looked after my hands are destroyed and I'm in the training room and it's just me and the trainers. I can't remember their names, but it's only like me and two trainers. There's no one else in there. And then all of a sudden Gretter comes by the great one and he stands in the hallway and he goes, Hey kid. And I like, look, and I like look behind me and there's no one in the room. And I kind of was like, like pointing at me. I was pointing at myself like an idiot, like me. And he goes, yeah, you kid. He goes, great job out there, kid. You showed oh, a lot of balls. And then, he, and then he walked away. So wow. I'm thinking, oh, fuck, that's pretty cool. And so this is this is how it all started for me. Like, I'm in junior. This isn't fucking fighting NHL guys. This isn't fighting Dale Purinton, AHL killer. Like, this is junior. It's it's a, And I am not putting anything down for the junior guys that had a great junior career that were tough that never played pro. Like, I would never do that. But fighting in junior is a whole lot different than fighting in the minors and fighting in the NHL. So then we go, you know, whatever. We finish the game. I have no more fights. I, I like stood up. That's what they wanted. And I go, you know, I was, it was a real shock to me because of how hard the camp was. Like it was tons of skating at the end. And to be honest with you, it was my first NHL camp. Like it wasn't a draft pick where you get to go to a couple, you know, rookie camps and work your way up. Right. So I'm back in the, I'm, this is, this is fucking hilarious. And no one has heard this except for my friends and family. So I go back to the hotel. I'm, I, we eat, I'm fucking bagged Joe. So I go and then you shut it down. You know what I'm saying? Like I have turn off, close all the curtains in the hotel. It's like a cave middle of the day. Shut it down. Totally out cold. The, fu- the fucking hotel phone rings. This is before cell phones. The hotel phone rings and I go, Oh, like I just wake up and it's gravy. It's Graves. It's Adam Graves. The fucking legend. He's yeah. a my squad captain. He goes, he goes, he goes, Hey, Hey, is this Gilly? I said, yeah. I'm like, who's this? He goes, it's Adam Graves. This is what I said. I, I were no word of a lie. I said, I go, fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> he goes, and then I'm listening. I'm thinking it's like one of the young guys in camp that I know, like from junior or whatever. Yeah. But there's other guys there, right, that I played against. He goes, no, Gilly, it's really Adam Graves. He's like, man, he's like, you did great today. He's like, what are you doing, kid? And I said, I'm sleeping, man. I'm tired. He goes, well, he goes, well, get up. He goes, um, he goes, you want to sleep? Or, you know, I, he's like, I'd like to take you to lunch. Wow. And uh, he goes, I just, you know, just want to spend some time with you. He's like, you did great today. And I was like, and I'm thinking in my head, I'm going to go along with this, but this is, they're so punking me right now. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, fuck it. I got up quick shower. I said, uh, he goes, I'll meet you down. And he goes, I'll meet you down in the lobby by the coaches in 15 minutes. So I have a quick rinse, Joe, quick mm-hmm. rinse, go down. I'm sitting there waiting for gravy. I'm thinking these other mutants are going to come out. My the guy, the other young guys and just like, be like, ah, fuck you Gillies. You dumb fuck. You know what I mean? <laughs> and sure enough, 
Adam Graves walks up to me. I shake it up, shake his hand. He goes, he goes, all right, kid. He's like, uh, he's like, I, he goes, do you like, what do you like to do? And I said, ah, you know, whatever you want. <laughs> Fucking Adam Graves. Like, I'm not going to tell him what to do. Yeah. So he goes, well, I really like like Barnes and Nobles. He's like, you want to, there's a Barnes and Nobles across the bridge. He's like, you want to walk? And I said, yeah, whatever you want. And he goes, yeah, I don't take, he goes, I only take stairs. I don't take elevators. And he's like, well, walk. So I'm like walking down the fucking highway kind of deal with Adam Graves. We go, no one's ever heard this. We go to Barnes and Nobles, you know, get like a bagel and a coffee. I didn't even drink coffee back then. I get like a coffee and I'm trying to choke it down with him. And he just like picks my brain. He's like, Hey kid, like you like, do you like fighting? And I said, yeah, yeah, I love it. And he's like, well, that's good, kid. He goes, because you did really well today. Like, Dale Purinton's like our tough guy in the AHL with the Wolfpack. He's like, um, he's like, you showed a lot of balls. And um, he's like, you're opening up some eyes. Like, I don't know if you're going to get a contract out of this or not. He goes, but if you like it, he goes, go back and just, like, constantly stay in the gym and work on your game. He's like, you can make a career out of this, kid. And, like, just the time he spent. I'm a fucking nobody, Joe. Yeah. Nobody. Like, I'm not a first rounder where he gets told, like, hey, take this kid out, see what he's about, second, third rounder. Like, I'm a fucking walk-on. So I've never and, – and I hope that he hears this because he made such an impression on me that I was just like, this guy is fucking awesome. Like, I've watched him on TV for forever. Yep. And, wow. like, I, I called my mom and dad and my bro. Like, I mean, my buddies. Like, I'm like, I just went to lunch with fucking Adam <laughs> you know what i mean like it's yeah. incredible it's yep. like it's unbelievable but it's fucking so true that and he bought me like a bunch of magazines and i had ton, the per diem is insane in the nhl like i mean it's like what some people make for a living yeah so like you know at training camp you're getting good money and so like i'm like oh I, I i got it you know and he won't let me pay and i got some like workout magazines and shit like that like i think i got like the fucking hockey news book or whatever yeah oh so, like pretty simple-minded and um and then, like, I have a good camp, but obviously, like, I'm young, man. Like, I'm not old enough to play pro yet. Mm-hmm. So I go back to junior. And um, and then I just, like, did what he said. I just constantly worked on my fighting and worked, worked on my game. And, you know, I still wasn't a great player. But I realized, like, this is one of the – this guy's a fucking stud. And he told me, like, I can fucking fight. Like, I, I can do this. So I went back and just fucking fought everybody. And then – you know, and then I, so to get to the 20 year old year to answer your question is I went to LA Kings rookie camp in Thunder Bay. It was a blast, blast. That place is awesome. We trained like savages. We, we practice and we play inter-squad games against the Islanders rookies. Joe Rullier was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, on my side, we were tough. We had Kip Brennan with the, um, with the Kings, uh, you know, prospects, a young Brian McGratton, who's my buddy, bigger, yeah. tough as nails. Love that dude. Played with him at the end of my career in um, Glens Falls. Mm-hmm. Um, bigger and was like fucking just drafted. You had me, you had this other guy, Marty Melnichuk. I talked to him like a week ago. The meat grinder. Yeah, I love him. He's beauty. I'm going to go to uh, Edmonton soon to this like thing with him. Like we're, we're going to like pump up this uh, sports bar and watch UFC fights and talk about the old days, like what we're doing now. Yeah. A bunch of other fighters, like probably Brant Myers, Chris Waltz, like a bunch of guys nice. that are from that area. Very and, nice. uh, JJ Legault, Sean Legault, like a bunch of these guys. And so it'll be a cool trip for me in the life. Toughest but table ever. 
Yeah, it'll be a fun time. So, uh, <laughs> and and um, by the way, if people are into the fighters, my boy Brant Myers' book comes out. I think on the sixteenth, he's going to yeah. have an audio book and a book, and uh, it's going to be epic. I don't know if you're a huge Brant Myers fan or not, Joe, but man, I love that fucker. He was good to me too. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, no, I, I used to see him all the time when you would he's come here. I just found he's out. Guy, he's a he's a great guy. My wife loves him too. Yeah. No, I love he's, him. I love he's him. He's a good-looking cat, too. Always, always. He was on. Uh, he used to watch soap operas. I'm surprised he never got on one. He's a beauty. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> so I go to I go to L.A. Kings camp, rookie camp, make it on the main camp. Same thing. Walk on the next year, my last year of junior. I could have went back for overage, and then I go to L.A. Kings camp. You know who my fucking defense partner is, Joe, in camp? Rob Blake. How'd you know? Did I tell this? In- it's so outrageous to think that you'd be playing with Rob Blake. He's the, the first guy truth. that came to mind. Well, and Al Samuelson was my defense partner when I fought Purington. Yeah, but I hate Al Samuelson. Well, I know everyone hates him, but he was actually <laughs> really—he was actually a really good guy to me. You know, I'm, he did. I'm sure he, he was. I'm sure he was. Yeah. So I loved him, but uh, you know, I, I've seen what he did to my boy Cam Neely. I've seen that before then, but yeah. uh, he was good to me. I'm yeah. if you're good to Trevor Gillies, he's good. Trevor Gillies is good to you. That's how the fuck I work. I don't no, I understand sh- completely. And, no, I know that. And you know that. You know yeah. that about me, but fans don't. So I want to yeah. kind of break it down. Like, I don't care if you're a billionaire or you have fucking no money. You live on the street. If you're nice and you're a good human being and you talk to me, I'm always going to make time for you. That's just how that's how I was raised. So anyway, long story short, Rob Blake is my motherfucking defense partner in training camp. <laughs> and. This is another guy who played for the Islanders. This is a true story, and I've never told this either, so I'm going to. Remember this guy by the name of Blake? Jason Blake? Blake? Yeah, Jason Blake. Oh, yeah. So this guy is an unbelievable skater. I've never met him outside of the ice, but he also, like, where I went to learn how to skate, so how I made the Islanders, because I had to get better at skating to make the NHL, to make the jump, was I went with this camp called the Burgraff Skating School. It's the hardest conditioning and skating camp. It's incredible. Any kid that wants to learn how to become a better skater and train properly or skating in the stride, you need to get your agent or get your parents to pay for this camp. I went four or five years in a row and it changed my life. I went from being a minor league mutant to finally getting a shot. So and the owner is, is the mom's it's named after him. is Nancy Burgraff and the owner is Frank. They're phenomenal family. They've helped tons of guys. Mike Commodore, Jason Blake's one of their people. Jason Blake is an amazing skater. You know, he is an amazing skater. But this guy's so fast, he kept running me, Joe, in camp. And, you know, and back then, you were allowed to hold up for your D partner, like with a little stick on the pads, a stick between the legs. You know, you were allowed to hold up for your D partner. So Rob Blake's holding up for me, but this little motherfucker's so fast, he was blowing me, he was blasting me, Joe. Yeah. So I, I go, I go to Rob on the bench. I'm a kid. I go, who the fuck is this fucking guy? Like I'm losing my mind. I'm like, I'm going to fucking kill this guy. Like that's how I was wired, you know? Yeah. And he goes, oh, that's, he goes, that's Jason Blake. He, and like, pretty much he's like, we fucking hate him. He's like, <laughs> yeah, everybody does. He goes, he goes, he goes to me and there's like Luke Robitaille on my team. I mean, like, these are some fucking legends, man. They're hall of famers. They go, fucking get him gilly that's what they they go because that's what they all call me gilly they go get him i said well, fuck i'll fucking get him and so <laughs> he runs me he runs me one time and i'm waiting for it and i was a pretty big boy you know not as big as like when i was with the aisles but i was probably like you know 18. and um whatever 
And uh, he runs me, and I just fucking smash him when he, I reverse hit him with an elbow into his face. And he gets up, and he fucking two-hands me, Joe. And so then I just fucking snap and, like, kind of, like, just start punching him in the fucking head. So, obviously, we go to the box. But all the boys, this is what I remember. Like, I was still a nobody, bud. Like, I, I didn't – I'm a nobody. And all the veterans, because they told me to do it, they stood up on the bench while I'm going to the penalty box and were all standing. This is their teammate from the year before. He was that hated. Yep. And he might hate me for this, but I don't give a fuck. I, this is my story, not his story. This is the fucking truth. So he's way better player than Trevor Gillies. He played a lot longer. He has a lot more money than Trevor Gillies, but that isn't what the, what the story is about. It's Trevor Gillies' story. So Rob, uh, Luke, Rob Blake, Luke Robitaille, all these guys are standing on the bench. You know when you score a goal in the old days, they'd be banging the outside of the bench? Yep. Well, that's what they did. So I have a good camp. I don't play any exhibition games. I'm young. And um, they sent me to Lowell. Well, our coach in Lowell, long story short, is a legend. Um, Bruce Boudreau, Gabby. Yep. And when I go there, I mean, we're a split affiliate. We're a split affiliate with um, LA Kings and New York Islanders. So this is where some things tie in because you probably didn't know this. You might, but most people listening do not. So I go there in my first AHL preseason game with the, it was called the Lowell Lock Monsters, which is now defunct team yep. so in Lowell arena to Songus arena best one of the best ice in hockey like so fast amazing ice you gotta add that so my first preseason game i had three fucking fights in the ahl like just because i was playing like a wild man you know what i mean just like adam graves he's like keep doing what you're doing you know i, I took it to heart so i fight this guy he's tough as nails his name's louis bedard oh yeah i was gonna ask you about him yeah, he's a tough motherfucker. I ended up meeting him later on because uh, my, my brother who went to college at Union, one of his buddies, Steve Levesque, knew him. And uh, I met Louis. He's a great guy. But at the time, Louis had already been around a while, you know, in the minors. Like, he's racking up pins. I didn't know who the fuck he was. I see this little guy that's like a little tank fucking, you know, getting mad after I gave him a clean body check. And he's like cross-checking me, asked me to go. Like, I didn't, like, Joe, that's the thing, like. I don't know if I was too stupid to realize who they were or they're just back then, as you know, there was no scouting. Yep. Like there was no stat packs in preseason like nowadays or like YouTube. There was none of that shit. There wasn't even cell phones. You know what I'm saying? Like you can't do nothing unless you got a fancy computer. There was nothing. So I'm thinking, well, fuck you. Let's fucking go. So drop the mitts, dust them off. And we have in the first fight, he doesn't know I'm left-handed. So I break his nose. But we have a war. He's tough as nails. He doesn't go down. He's so fucking pissed, Joe. <laughs> we get to the penalty box. He screams. This guy. And then I realize, oh shit, what did I do? Like this guy's an animal, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when he's yelling at me, I'm like, ah. Oh. He goes, he goes, we're fucking going again. Fuck you, you know? Like <laughs> I'm like, I said. All right, you know, like, fuck, I'm trying to make a fucking club here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be like, no, I'm not fighting you, like, scared. I'm like, hey, like I told you, man, adrenaline's a powerful drug. Like, fucking, let's bottle it up and sell it. We'll be fucking multi-billionaires, bro. No kidding. Hundreds of billions. So I'm like, I'm thinking, all right, well, he's coming. It's pretty obvious. I mean, the lion's out. Like, he's letting it roar. He's coming. So every time he got on the ice, 
whether I'm at the end of a shift or not, I was just like watching, you know, watching, you know, you know, you know, you know, who's on the fucking ice. Yeah. I mean, you gotta be a moron to not know. So sure enough, we fight again. Good fight. He does. I mean, he probably gets the edge on me in the second one. And then I fight some other guy in the same game. And, uh, Drapeau. Yeah. 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 And I didn't know him either. Another French guy. He's a French guy too. Like, and I'm French. People don't realize, but I'm half French, so beaulieu, you know, petit peu français. Right. And, um, you know, and so, you know, I was having a hell of a camp, Joe. Like, my first first AHL preseason game, I got three fucking fights against three killers. I'm a kid. I'm 20 years old. I could be going back to junior still. But there was no one left. Like, Erskine was leaving. All the boys, like, Brennan, all the boys were leaving, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not going back to junior. Like, that's just like a bully. Like, I'm not going back to, like, I won't have any fights. Like, this is what I do. So I said, well, fuck it. I'm all in. And so, you know, when you're all in, you're all in. Yep. So all of a sudden, you know, the farther I stay in camp, well, then all of a sudden, like, the clubs start throwing down some studs. So this is how I met our boy, though. This is how I met our boy, Joe. This is how I met Eric Karens. Oh, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is why uh, this is why I'm doing this long-winded thing. People are probably bored by this story. No way. No, but the I'm reason not. I'm doing it is because this is how I first met the fucking big dog. So, first guy to get sent down is um, Bill Heward okay, from LA. Shoulders. Yep. Bill Heward is a fucking great guy, man. Yep. Like, I, I wish I could like get him on the phone because he was so fucking cool to me. He was like thinking. He's probably thinking like, this guy's like a thin, ripped dude that's fighting killers. Like, who is this kid? Like, I'm a nobody, Joe. I'm not drafted. They don't know who the fuck I am. I didn't have a facial hair on my fucking face. I had like dyed streak blonde hair. Like, I'm a fucking pretty boy. Like, but I love to fight. Like, I did not look like I do now. Like, now I'm smashed. I'm real weathered after all these years of fights. So Bill Heward, like, was so cool to me. We had this other guy in our, I think it was uh, Ryan Bast. He was cool. Yep. There's a lot of skill guys. Yeah. And then all of a sudden we get uh, the big boy comes down. Eric Cairns comes down. And uh, what a guy he was, man. Like, he was just so fucking good to me, thinking, like, well, I know I'm not going to make this team. There's a, there's a legit killer. I knew both of them because I watched all their fights. Mm-hmm. So, like, there wasn't a lot of – there was no tape on a guy like me because I was a nobody, right? So, like, but guys like them that had been around, I'd already been studying these guys. Like, I wasn't going to fight them, but, you know, we're already into practices by then, so there's no opportunity anyways. And I, they would have murdered me at that time. They would have murdered me. So, but just, just to remember how good they were to me, like, means the world to me. Like, so – and I have many guys that we'll discuss over this long call, long call – um, but those are two great ones. So that's when I first met Cairns. And then, so we have another little inner squad game. And obviously we know Eric Cairns is a defensive defense, and he's a legend, fought everyone, played fucking forever. I wish I could have his career. But he was so yeah. good to me too when I was with the Islanders, man. Mm-hmm. Like him and, yeah, yeah. him and big Garth, you know what I mean? Like he yeah. was an extension of Garth. Yeah. Come talk to me and like we talk almost every day, man. I love Cairns. I talked to him a little while ago on the phone. He's fucking awesome. And so, anyway, obviously, I wasn't going to be sticking there, Joe. Long story short, I get called into the office with Gabby. I kind of knew it was coming. It's writing's on the wall. 
um, as they say. And Gabby says to me, he goes, Gilly, he's like, kid, I didn't know who the fuck you were. He's like, you made a hell of an impression. Both organizations now know who you are. He's like, I don't want you. He goes, do you want to play pro or go back to junior? I said, no, I'm not going back to junior. I want to play pro. He goes, all right, well, our affiliate is the Trenton Titans in the East Coast Hockey League. He's like, they have a hell of a team, a great building. He's like, but I just looking at you, Gilly, I had blonde hair. Like the only thing, the only thing I wanted to do was wheel and fight and win. So he goes, looking at you and no, talking to you and some of the guys, he's like, Trevor Gillies is not going to like Trenton Titans, and we already have a lot of guys going there. He's like, I just won a Kelly Cup in Biloxi, Mississippi. That's my former team right before I got this job. And he's like, I think it'd be much better for you to go play for an ex-NHL heavyweight who knows your game and your style and how you have to play and learn from him and all the, there's a really old team there. He's like, so I'm going to put you there. And then if we lose a tough guy at all, I'm going to give you the call. So I went to Biloxi, met the best fucking dudes ever and had the best experience ever in pro hockey. Like the fans, I had a free car by my boy Greener. And then I like did my thing and then I got the call. Right. And I'm sure you're going to get into that in a minute, but that's how it all happened for me. Like this is step by step. I got treated great by a lot of legends. And then I just said, well, fuck it. I'm going to go down to the coast. I need to go to the coast. I need to get bigger. I need to get fighting some of these guys in preseason. I realized I'm doing well. I'm left-handed, but I need to get bigger. I need to get stronger. I need to learn the game. I need to play more. If I was playing in the NHL, I'm going to get a couple shifts a period. If I go down the East Coast League, I'm getting a regular shift. And it, I get to play in paradise, man. It's Biloxi, Mississippi. We've got great golf, great fishing. It's phenomenal. We're playing all these awesome places. It was amazing. And that's the story, dog. And then you can run it from there. <laughs> that was unbelievable. <laughs> I love it. I, I didn't realize. See, the only thing I saw on the fight card was the Bedard fights and the Drapeau. I had no idea how extensive it went before that. And by the way, you, I have yet to meet a guy. And I don't know him, so I can't pass judgment on him personally. I have yet to meet a person that played with Jason Blake that has a good thing to say about him. So you're not alone. So, I don't know him personally. He yeah. might be a good guy, but I'm just telling you, like he kept running me because probably I didn't move like him and I was an easy target big and I'm playing with Rob Blake. He's not going to run Rob Blake. He's a fucking Rob Blake would have speared him in the face. He's a hall of famer. He's a stud or he would have stuck out his hip and blew out Rob Blake. It would have blew out J Jason Blake's knee. Mm hmm. But I was the easy target, so he kept doing it. And then I asked the boys on the bench, I said, who the fuck is And they said, oh, he was with us last year, like, fucking, like, pretty much, like, without saying it, like, fucking, we hate him. Like, fucking kill him. And so, That's what I'm talking uh, about. The whole I team hated him. I didn't need any more instruction. When someone yeah. tells you to do something, like, if you're trying to make an impression and you're a nobody and you're not drafted and you don't listen, well, then shame on you. You're a dumb motherfucker. So, like... It didn't take me a second. They didn't need to tell me a second time. I think the next shift I was on the ice with them, I fucking smashed them with some glove punches and got like a four minute, whatever. No, I love and it. I stood love up it. and pounded the boards. It was epic. I'll never forget. <laughs> All right. So before we get, to, you were called up a few times that year to Lowell and we're going to get to the guys you fought there. But uh, when you were down in Mississippi, you played for Mark Podvin. Rest in peace, Mark Podvin. Yeah, what a guy, dude. Yeah, I met him once with L.A. Uh, and actually maybe twice, L.A. Hartford. Uh, didn't know him well at all, but what was it like playing for Mark Podvin? 
It was amazing, man. He was so good to me, Potsy. Um, just a great dude. You could tell he still wanted to play, right? He would wear his shin pads in practice and, uh, you know, underneath his like little warm up suit or whatever. And he would still hop in drills with the boys. He could still move. Uh, man, he was just so fucking fun. I was a kid. We just had such a great old squad of legends, man. Um, and there's so many things I could talk about that we won't talk about. <laughs> no, I don't want anything. And when they listen to this, they will all smile knowing exactly what I'm talking about because Joe, I won. That's all I'll say. I won the bet. <laughs> Someone will know what that means. So that'll make me happy. Oh, there's a ton of them that'll know exactly what it means. But, um, man, I had the time of my life, bro. I was a 21, 20 year old kid. You know, I was on a, you know, I know it's not a lot of money to anyone that's making anything, but when you're 20 years old and you made $50 a week in the OHL, and lived with a billet family. And all of a sudden you're living in, I lived in a Joe. I, we drive up. I got a free car from my boy greener. He's in the funeral business. He's a huge fan of the team. He's an unreal guy. I still talk to him once in a while. And I called it the George Costanza. It was a Nissan Stanza and drive up to these apartments. They were incredible. They were like these condo apartments, you know, like wide open, like, in the middle of the two big bedrooms with master baths, a beautiful kitchen, all open concept back then in 99. And you like drive up and you type in a code and it like goes slowly over. It had like a sauna, steam room, hot tub, pool, um, workout facility. I mean, it was a fucking habit. And like, we're right on the beach with like all that, like by the beach with like all the casinos. We're an hour from new Orleans, two hours from the white sand beaches and, and um, Pensacola. I mean, you can figure it out. I mean, I was wild and young and man was, I, did I, they'd sneak me in the back door cause I didn't, you know, I didn't have that fake ID anymore. Um, you know, cause in Canada, the fake ID I had was for when I was, I was 19. Right. So like it, it didn't work. It got taken. So I was 20 years old. I'm not even old enough to drink, man. Like it was incredible. And Patsy was awesome. He'd work with me, grapple with me, um, man, just do extra stuff with me. Like we just had such a great group of guys and, you know, I'm a rookie and I'm like the, the grand marshal in the, in the two Mardi Gras parades in Jeeps throwing beads. Like, wow. man, wow. it was just cool as shit. And, um, and then when I got called up to Lowell, you know, that was awesome too. So like, you know, it's not a lot of money, but I'm making like 500 bucks a week as a 20 year old with a badass apartment, no bills, free internet, you know, free cable. We had a bunch of restaurant deals. We could eat crab legs and lobster and, and steak at the casinos anytime we want. Like it was amazing. Um, and then when I got called up, I was making 40 grand as a 20 year old in 1999. It's not bad living the dream, you know, no, not at all. Um, so the first, I don't know if it was the first time you got called up, but definitely the first fight you had that season, uh, regular season, the American league, you played a game against stop, stop, Quebec. Stop. All right, so we mentioned Darcy Harris before now, uh, Quebec, Montreal, Montreal had moved their team minor league team from Fredericton to Quebec and they loaded that team up with toughness. They had some really tough French players. I and thought I didn't have to fight the Moose Morissette because I watched him for years and I would have got killed. Well, the... yeah, he's tough, but let me, let, let's say this. You fought well, two of the damn. toughest guy on the team, two of the toughest guys in the team. You already fought Darcy once a junior. You rematched him. And then you fought a guy who is basically a legend now for his work in the Quebec Senior League, and that's Joel the Animal Terrio. 
So what is it like fighting Joel Terrio after you fight Darcy Harris? Well, like I said on the last podcast I did, so which you've heard, you're friends with them. And I appreciate you told them to get me on. And um, then I raved about you on there. I know. You're the best. And, um, you know, that's how all this came to fruition, if I'm saying it right. So, you know, back then they didn't have, like, the scouting, you know, like the fight doctor and all that stuff, like we talked about with you. And and so there's these stat packs before the game. And I'm just getting ready, right? Like, if you're not sweaty, you're not ready, doing a dynamic warm-up in the gym in the hallway, like the same shit I did my whole life. I did it in the island. People thought I was a lunatic. We're going to talk about that, too. Don't worry. <laughs> it works. It works. If you're not sweaty, you're not ready. And if you're not and you fight your first shift, like some guys, are just having a chew and a coffee and playing a fucking crossword, well, then that's why I cut, caught him because I was already shadow boxing, doing rounds in the hallway, getting ready to go to war for my boys. Like I was ready. So I have a firm believer, like, you know, if you're a heavyweight of any kind or any kind of fighter, you'll never see a good fighter in the UFC, as you know, because you've been to events live right at ringside. Yeah. We'll talk about it later too. Um, or boxing. You'll never see any of these guys going to the cage without a little lather on. So, and I like to have a heavy lather. Cause I'm ready, you know? So like, you know, you can control a few things in especially pro sports as well as life. That's how prepared you are and how hard you work. So if they want to take it easy before the game and have a chew and play ping pong or whatever the fuck they want to do, like sewer ball. Hey, I'm all for it. That's fun too. If you're a skilled player, but if you're a tough guy in my era and you're not, and you're doing that, I already got a leg up on you. I already, I'm already ahead because I've already been, I'm already practiced. Like I've already fought you thousands of times before this game in my mind. That's what people don't understand. Like that's why the job is so hard for people who don't like it because it's constantly on your mind. Well, next week I got this team and they got these two guys back in the old days in the NHL. It's like usually one. Well then in the next game, the next night I got this guy, you know? So like, you have to be studying. You have to be prepared. Um, and so, what did you, you ask me again? I was, <laughs> I was asking you what it's like to fight Joel Terrio and Darcy oh, Harris yeah. in the same game. So, yeah. so, there was no fucking game notes, Joe. There's no game notes. Like, well, there's game notes, but it doesn't show the guy fighting. It's not like I can watch his fight. So, you know, right before the game, it's not like I told you. You look down the list and you see fucking, okay, well. He's six five or six four, two forty five, like, and he has barely any points, which is just like me. I'm not carving him because I have I love that dude. At the end of my career, I was still watching him fight in the LNAH. He's a fucking animal. Like I, I can't wait to meet him someday. I hope I get to meet him. Like I fucking think he's an animal, and I'm glad I fought him when he was a lot younger instead of the guy that I watched at the end of his career. He's putting his fucking hand up in the air, waving at the crowd, and then a mid stroking the guy left right eating him i mean he's the fucking toughest fucking nails and he likes to ride bikes i'm real i have my own uh custom chopper you know i got a redneck engineering rigid tail all blacked out i mean i'd love to ride with that motherfucker. he seems like a cool dude but at the time you just don't know any better you're young and dumb and the guys say i say well who are the guys and like then they say well this guy's real tough joel perio the, the, the whatever number I mean, whatever you know it's it's real easy for someone who doesn't realize, like when you look at the numbers, the tough guys are going to have retard numbers. That's what I call it. So like 33, 24, 28, 29, 
you know, maybe 51, like Trevor Killings were. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's going to be fucking obvious. Like, watch him skate and warm up by the red line stretching, and you will figure out, even if you were a moron and didn't know that YouTube existed, you will be able to figure out who the fourth line is by watching warm up in the old days. Yeah. Now, they all got talent. You can't figure it out so much. You better do your homework on guys because they all can fucking play. But back then, as you know, I mean, I can watch a fucking guy skate around. They might have a big goatee like your your logo I'm staring at this whole time while we're talking. <laughs> um, you know, like whatever. I mean, it's not hard to figure out. So, you know, I look at the penalty minutes. I didn't even need to ask, but I did. And they tell me a couple guys. And so that's why I fought both of them. And, you know, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I didn't, I didn't beat Joel Terrio. Like he's fucking way, he was way bigger than me. But when I, one thing that was really a good learning lesson in that fight was, holy fuck, this is a strong dude. Like I got to fucking, if I go back down or stay here, I'm like, I got to hit the steel. I call it hitting the steel for sex appeal. My boys, Joe Devin, and Mike Devin, who got me into what I'm doing now. That's what they call it. And I love working out, you know, like me, Ricky, D. like there's certain guys that just like love working out. Right? Mm-hmm. And there are two of them. So, you know, like I'm big on working out, but I'm thinking, wow, I got to get a lot stronger. Like this is a fucking big, strong dude. I did fine. I did fine. I didn't get dropped. Like, I did fine, but I didn't win the fucking fight. Like, you know, in order for you to stay when you're young like that, you can't just survive and fight. So, you know, to be brutally honest, that's what I was doing. I had a really good one where I won against Harris. I caught him. I think I broke his nose. I'm not sure. You'd have to ask him. But it was a good fight. It was a really close fight. But I, I did catch him with a couple good ones. Um, but he's more my size. But he, I, I have mad respect for him. He's super tough. I fought him in the O. He's super tough. But then, like, I always did well against guys around my size, Joe. But to be honest, like, when they get, like, fucking to, like, behemoth giraffe stage, it's a lot harder because, yeah, okay, well, then that the reach – takes away my advantage which is that i'm left-handed so then now if you get strung out you have to eat a couple to be able to climb the mountain as we call it to get him in within range by the shoulders to get center grab or to grab his right arm but then they can all throw lefts so that usually when they're good so like you're eating a couple early you know what i'm saying so like i did better against guys around my size or smaller to six four but when they got bigger than that, it was it was a challenge until I learned a lot better how to do it later in later years. So, yeah, you know, Joel definitely got the better of me. I also fought another guy um, twice, which I'm surprised you didn't ask about. But I have ultimate respect for him because I, I asked him to fight. He's next. I, yeah. You didn't give me a chance yet. All right. Say his name. Kevin the Destroyer Sawyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does TV in Winnipeg now for the Jets. He was that's oh, the next dude, question. That was tough. another he's, call up. Oh, he's <laughs> tough as shit. I love so, him. You know him? I'm I haven't spoken to him in years, but I oh, I met him. If you talk to if you talk to any of these guys, I want you to tell them Big Bill says hey. I will. Because, I I mean, I know, haven't I, spoken to Kevin in probably 15 years. One thing about me is like I I understand the job and they did not have to fight me. Right. So that's 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 one of the biggest compliments I think you can get if you're a guy that's been around or already established on an AHL or NHL contract, you willing to take on all comers that are East coastly guys, remembering where you came from is ultimate 
um, is, is like you get my huge respects and marks because I took pride in giving guys chances all the way till the end. And because I remember the guys like these guys that gave me a shot when I was a fucking kid and a nobody. Um, so yeah, you know, I didn't win those fights against Sawyer either, but I asked him and he was politely, obviously, and he took my challenge and we had a great go, two great goes at center ice. I didn't win, but I, like I told you, I was surviving. I was still in the fights. I didn't get pounded, but I wasn't, I uh, wasn't beating them. I wasn't dropping them. I wasn't hurting them. They were fighting tougher guys than me that threw harder, that were stronger than me. This is just the way it works. And, um, you know, and then later on when I got better, like my first AHL fight again, which I won't ruin. I mean, we'll talk about it. I'm sure is Mal Engelstad. So I have ultimate respect for all of them. Man was fucking Joel Terrio impressive in the fucking LNH. Anyone who doesn't, respect that league has no clue how fucking tough that league is. Uh, well was, um, I mean, these guys are fighting. Like, look at the totals. Like, do you know, you know, you know, but I'm saying to fans, do they, I don't think fans realize how hard it is to put up 30 plus majors in a year. Like I had two years where I had like 34 or 35 majors and I'm sure you're going to get into that. But like 20 almost every season. These guys are throwing up like 50, 60 fucking majors, Joe. Like, I cannot imagine against monsters. I cannot imagine the toll that took on their skin, on their hands, their shoulders, just their bodies. So, I mean, like Steve Bosse, fuck me, is that dude tough. Yeah, UFC. He fucking fought in the UFC. Yep. I mean, yeah. that is a tough fucking league like and some of those guys if they were better players i mean they would have mopped up some like some top ahl and nhl guys i mean they're fucking tough and anyone who doesn't see that they just don't know hockey fighting like i i'm obviously a fan of hockey but let's not kid ourselves i mean i love hockey fighting um and i study every league i mean i watch timu Solani fight i watch fucking anyone who's ever fought i watch them um, but that is one tough fucking league. And, um, you know, they have my full respect because that is, that was very impressive to watch. <laughs> well, I was going to bring it up chronologically, but I'm going to bring it up now to end this segment. You were actually drafted in that league twice. I don't know if you know, I'm assuming you know that you are, I mean, in terms of the character, I only know it once. Well, let me see. Cause I wrote it down twice. Hold on. I got in um, at the end of 0304 after your year in Springfield, you got drafted by uh, Three Rivers, uh, round nine, 95th overall. So it was after Springfield before you signed with the Rangers. And uh, let me see the other one. I got two. Uh, let's see. Joe, I think we should keep it going. Well, hold, all right. The second one, uh, after. Uh, let's see. Oh six, oh seven. After Portland and Augusta, you got drafted fifteenth overall in the second round by Sherbrooke Saint Francois. You don't remember that one? No. Yeah, you got drafted twice. So was so you listen. Take this as a compliment with the whole Trevor Gillies persona. The the on ice Trevor Gillies would have been 
an absolute perfect fit for that league in terms of the guys that ran that league. Was that ever an option for you? Did they ever make serious overtures to uh, have you join them? Yeah, I got a couple offers from a few teams um, that were that were you know pretty attractive to be honest. Um, you know, at certain times when I might might not have been making as much money as I got to later in the NHL, but you know, um, ultimate respect for all those warriors. But you know, one of the things that I how do I put this? One of the things that I truly believe in is, you know, you shouldn't put five tough guys on the ice and put music on and just have it like as a sideshow to the game. Mm-hmm. Like I truly believe that every fight is, whether it's staged, what these new school people call a stage fight off the draw, they all nuts. have a purpose. Yeah. It might've been from five games ago or two years ago, but you always take a number. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it might be cause you know, we need to set the tone. Two nuclear weapons going at it. So guys are like, wow, we better we better play a disciplined, smart, clean game tonight because these two guys are like nuts. Or, you know, we're down 2 nothing, and you're flat. Well, then you go out and have a good fight against a new, another nuclear weapon on the ice. And then they're like, they, they give, it gives the boys a, a spark and momentum. And then you end up turning the game around and coming back and winning a lot of times. There's just so many scenarios, as you know. So... You know, I, um, my goal was never to just make money, Joe. I mean, I hope I'm not coming across wrong. I don't want to offend any of these guys because I have all my respect because it's such a hard job. It's my goal since I was five was to play in the NHL. So whether I did it or not, that's beside the point. But I was always just trying to play at the highest level I could and try to get better every day. Like, you know, you know, one guy the Islanders fans like tend to hate nowadays is John Tavares. And I learned a lot from John. Like John would study fucking every goalie, like every goalie we played. He had a book on it and uh, from whoever. I don't know. I'm not a goal scorer. But like he'd study their tendencies, like where they're weak, where they got goal scored on. Them. I mean, he's an ultimate pro. And like same with a guy like Ricky DiPietro, like, right. He gets shit on a lot, too. But he want he loved the Islanders more than anybody. I mean, he looked like the muscle chart at the fucking doctor with no skin on it. Like he's the most disciplined <laughs> athlete I've ever seen. Like he eats something, he'd get he'd get on the arc machine or the bike and like burn it off. Like he's a specimen. Yeah. You know, his body yeah. just failed him. So like you learn so much from all these guys. And you know, I just I just wanted to try to get better every day. And that's how every athlete thinks. Um, it's I'm no different than anyone. And, you know, there's millions of players better than me, but, you know, that's the whole goal as an athlete is, you know, try to become better, um, you know, do whatever it takes for the team to win. Everyone pushing, everyone pulling, whatever your piece of the puzzle is, you know, grow that box as much as you can in order to fill the puzzle, right? No one wants to buy a puzzle, a 500,000 piece puzzle. And then realize they forgot two pieces in the box. And if you have all the pieces at the end, well, then that's how you have a successful team that wins or comes together as a group. It's not all. Obviously, it's all about winning in girls sports. But I do feel like we had a great puzzle while I was there with the island. And, you know, nothing against those guys that did that. But that was not my goal. Because, yeah, do I think I would have loved the league? Probably, yeah. I probably would have made great money, too. And I probably would have had a lot of tough fights. Maybe I wouldn't be here to speak about them. 
you know, because there's a lot of really tough dudes that have my full respect. But my goal as a player was to play at the highest level I could. If that would have been AHL, if that would have been the East Coast, when at least at the end of the day, I can look myself in the mirror and know that, hey, this is as far as I made it. This was my dream. And, you know, I can be content with that. Um, you know, so that's that's the whole mindset. So hopefully that explains it. No, it didn't. And I think that um, I don't think you were disrespectful at all. I, think no, you, I mean, those guys are fucking killers. Right. But, there's a difference between the, the player and what the league is trying to do. So the league has to put on a show. The teams in the league have to that's put on a sick. show. Let's be honest. That's one of the things that the game misses now is of course those kind of guys, right? right? I think. But, I mean, there's no fans right now, and the league's doing fine. I mean, you know, you got TV revenue, and, I mean, everyone's staying home. I mean, there's probably a, there's tons of people watching hockey. I mean, I, you know, for me personally, as my goal was to, you know, do it for the boys when it was needed for the boys. It's something I learned from Marty McSorley. You know, I used to just fight whoever wanted to fight anytime they wanted to fight. And it wasn't always the best time for the boys. So it's one of those things as you mature as, a, as an athlete and as a, as a tough guy, you got to learn like sometimes when you want to go, it might not be the time to go and you shouldn't go. And so I never think there's a bad fight if you know you're going to win a fight, but you're not the boss. You got to listen to the boss. And if you have a red light, if you fight, you're a fucking moron. Then you're not going to play, and you're probably going to get sent down. So, ultimately, you have orders. It's like being in the military, and you execute those orders. And that's about as best as I could explain it. I, I feel like is pretty accurate. No, definitely. <laughs> and I think those guys, you know, like the guys in that league and in, in the Quebec league, you know, your Terrios, your Bosses, your Pat Cote. I mean, yeah, Pat Cote. You know, he made a living in the NHL for a while. Um, for some guys. They're, they're they are they, they weren't going to make it in the NHL, and it was a viable option for them to make a shit ton of money over there. So they, I think it's ultimately they, comes and, down to and, what's best and, for you. And, and they did, and yeah. they did, and and I'm not going to lie, as a fan of hockey fights, fuck, did I love watching that shit? It's I was watching that when I was in the NHL with the Islanders. I'm watching all. I was watching every league. You don't know who's going to come up. Yeah. You know, like I watch, I just like love it. So like I watch them all. I still yeah. watch LNH fights. Like there are some epic fucking battles and some of them are mic'd up. So it's classic. You can hear them talking and like this mm -hmm. fist pounding heads. It's like, it's pretty epic. Um, you know, I've watched them all, Joe. Like, I mean, I can't say I've watched. Oh, actually, that's a lie. I watch. I fell into a, what I call a YouTube hole recently, and I watched a ton of old stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I just love it. Like I'm a huge fan. I mean, it's the ultimate deterrent, right? Yeah. So, yeah. and I, I think people that aren't familiar with that league, if you're not familiar with it, just understand there are legitimate NHL heavyweights killers. that went the killers, and they went up there, and they're like, "Fuck this, I'm out of here." You know, they got a nice, sweet deal. They went up, maybe played a weekend, and they were like, no, nah, I'm done. I don't need this, you know? So uh, it was the real deal. Those guys One up there were scary. Is they're going to have guys, multiple guys. It's not like you're going to just, you know, have a good fight and then go about the game. So yeah. you're going to have to fight multiple comers. I mean, one of my favorite videos, I forget who it was, but they do rock, paper, scissors on the ice to decide who is going to fight the guy. I mean, it's just fucking hilarious. It's, but it's, it was, it was legit. And 
it is just like epic to me because they were just both chomping, both teammates were chomping at the bit and just the entertainment value of watching these two killers do rock, paper, scissors to have the guy to me is just like absolutely wild. You know, like it's just, it was just epic to watch. I mean, it really was. I just, I said one of the things that one of the things I liked about the league when they would have Dave Marset interview the guys in the penalty box. Like I, I was watching some of this stuff last week. After a fight, Joel Terrio goes to the penalty box. After another fight, Steve Bosse goes to the penalty box. And there's Dave Marset literally right after the fight. And I said, you can't do that with just anybody. I couldn't go and stick a microphone in their face after a fight. But Dave Marset, universally respected, especially by the French guys, they know he did the job, and I and he's smart enough to know. Like if it was a bad fight, I'm sure he wouldn't have went up there. But I'm thinking, what's more LNAH than having Dave Marset interview these guys in the penalty box immediately after a fight? I'm like, that is just that's just amazing to me. But what a tough league, though. Anyone who watches it and doesn't realize how tough those dudes are are fucking. They have no clue. Well, there's plenty of those people. Yeah, they have no clue, man, because that is a fucking, like, I could name you, like, probably 30 guys right off the top of my head right now that are absolute killers. And there's more than that that have played there. And not only that, they're, like, people that know, even if you follow the minors. Yeah, Link Gates, Steve Bosse, uh, Joel Terrio, um, Brandon Sugden, John Morasti. I mean, this is just off the top of my head. You got this Dubé guy. You got all these guys. I mean, they're every team had like two or three guys that are like just absolute weapons. I mean, is I love watching it. I mean, I think it's awesome. <laughs> well, and not only that, like you're you're naming a lot of guys that have some experience, like in the American League. Guys, names that people that are listening may know. There are a ton of guys down there that never. Okay, you know, okay Varhog. I yeah, mean, I can yeah. keep going. I mean. I know them all. Like yeah. I told you, I watched them all. Like I know them all. Yep. Like you know, I'm just a huge fan. Um, but man, some epic, epic battles. So that's it for part one with Trevor Gillies. I hope that you people enjoyed it. I honestly can't even tell you how long the final product is going to be because we've only recorded enough for parts one and two. But uh, let's put it this way. Uh, for the posters that I make for the social media, uh, the uh, episode posters, for instance, today, uh, well, yesterday, I guess Sunday, I released the one that says episode 48, Trevor Gillies part one. Since I'm not entirely sure of how long we're going to go because he's such a great interview and he had such a long career, I made five just in case. And I'm not planning on releasing uh hours an hour episode here or there i mean i think today was uh, recording for him was close to three hours the episodes are going to be the the nuts and bolts of the episodes with him are probably going to be two and a half to three hours each and since i'm not sure how long they're all going to be i just made five posters just in case so um this is part one. Like I said, I hope you people enjoyed it. Uh, next Monday will be part two. Uh, hopefully I'll be hooking up with Trevor this week and uh, we can uh, bang the rest of this thing out. But all I can tell you is this. we are. I have two episodes recorded already and uh, it's, it's fucking amazing. So I hope you enjoyed it. Look forward to uh, bringing you part two next Monday. Have a great week, everybody. 